This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Oro Recovery. They are located in sunny Southern California. They were formed by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission to treat alcoholism and drug addiction with compassion and connection rather than control. Their staff has decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental illnesses, including severe mental illness. They make sure your kick is as comfortable as possible. Everyone that I know that has gone to Oro only says good things. So I'm going to say a good thing. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, you should totally check out Oro Recovery. The amenities are out of control. Sound bath meditation, surfing, equine therapy, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. You can't do better than Oro. They were rated like top five out of every treatment in the world. So go check them out at ororecovery.com. If you're fucked and you need treatment, go to Oro. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at YourSoberBuddy.com. I use Your Sober Buddy every day. It is a sober app. It gives strategies. It gives mindfulness techniques, and it has a free sober tracker. It makes you feel connected to your process of recovery. And the coolest thing is if you sign up right now at YourSoberBuddy.com or at the App Store, or at the Google Play Store, they will give you one week trial for free. And the tracker is for free. So try out Your Sober Buddy. I really, really love the app. I love the challenges. I love Buddy. He is going to be at DopeyCon. So uh, go to YourSoberBuddy.com, go to the App Store, the Google Play Store, and download Your Sober Buddy now. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Your Sober Buddy. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult. Our friends at Soberlink want to help and they came up with a solution. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of your sobriety to a boss or a loved one, Soberlink can do it. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity. It has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and it sends results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test or whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com dopey. Do you have a dream of starting a business? Do you have a dream of being an entrepreneur? Well, if you do, then you need an accountant. And if you want an accountant, there's only one person to talk to, which is our friend Eric at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. They are a full-service accounting firm that can help you with your taxes, bookkeeping, payroll, and almost any other business need you may have. Evolution Accounting and Consulting is all about letting you pursue your dreams so they cover your butts by taking care of the accounting doing the taxes, doing the payroll, all that stuff. And Eric understands what an addict trying to build a business 
is about because he is one. Eric was a fucking crackhead just like the rest of us. He's sober a few years now, and he understands the challenges as well as the success of being a sober entrepreneur. Sign up with Evolution Accounting at www.evolution-accounting.com. Use the promo code DOPEY when you connect with them and receive special discounts. If you have a dream and you want to build a business, you need an accountant on your side. I cannot suggest Evolution Accounting and Consulting enough. All right, we're about to get to the show, but I just want to tell you about a podcast I love called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Listen as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com. And before we get to the show, <clears throat> join Patreon. We're, we have all of the fucking Dopey Podcast theme songs on Patreon. Uh, DopeyCon on video is going to be on Patreon. Buy merch. Go to dopeypodcast.com and buy our merch. We've got cool stuff. New shit is coming out. Enough with the ads. There's going to be ads in the show also, so bear with me. Enough with the ads. Here is the show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. I am in my home in the Dopey studio office kind of thing, and I'm on the phone with the great Ray Brown. Welcome back to the show, Ray. Hello. Hello, Dave. You used to say... How are you? Didn't you used to do some greeting for the Dopey Nation, too? Hello, hello? No. Hello, hello. I don't remember. I don't remember I don't either. Remember. That's a classic. I say that to my, my roommate and I say that to each other. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, how are you, Ray? Welcome back to the show. It's been too long. Um, it's been a d 36 hours. I'm good. I'm up in the country. A beautiful fall day. He's harvesting radishes. He's climbing trees. He's kayaking. Ray's getting back to nature. Uh, I'm I'm installing drain pipes. Oh, I didn't check to see if my basement flooded. If my, if my, what do you call them, gutters and things are not all perfect, then the basement floods. Horrible. That doesn't uh, sound good. Yeah. Right? So DopeyCon is right around the corner. It's uh, on October 1st. Are you ready, Ray? Yeah, I have to change the strings on my guitar, which I haven't done in years at this point. Those strings are like three years old. So I want to change the strings. I'm thinking about going to the dentist before DopeyCon. <laughs> getting that's, my getting my teeth clean. Getting the teeth clean. <laughs> the old chompers polished up a little bit. Um and, I went to NYU Dental. They they cleaned me up nicely. They did a nice job? For free, yeah. Nitrous or no nitrous? No nitrous. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in dentistry without nitrous. I'm not doing it. I refuse. <laughs> you know what I just though, Ray, before we started recording? What? Do you want to hear the great altruistic thing I just did? What now? Somebody said that when you do good deeds, you sh you shouldn't tell people about them. What do you think about that? Uh, I've heard, 
I've heard that. What do you think about that? A lot of a lot of people do that, you know. You hear like Dolly Parton like did some incredible charity and she didn't tell anybody like for 25 years. Well, I I have a new sponsee who's in rehab. Yeah. He's in rehab, long-term rehab. Yeah. And 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 no. at, at the Phoenix House, okay? And uh in Manhattan? No, in in Ronkonkoma. In Ronkonkoma, oh. Long Island. So I fucking and he doesn't have any clothes. He lost all his clothes. So I put together oh, no. a gigantic bag of clothes and I went to the Phoenix house and I gave it to him and I sat and I, and I started reading the, the big book with him. What do you think about that? That was very nice. Where'd you get the clothes? My old clothes. Oh, they're <laughs> he, your clothes. He got a bunch of cats' <laughs> shirts. He got a couple dopey shirts. He got, he got whatever, oh, you know, the wait. cast-offs. What was he wearing? What, did he, what clothes did he have? He had like a few clothes, he said. So he said he didn't have any clothes, oh. and, and I felt like I had too many shirts, so I, I put together a care package for the kid. Oh, that Yeah, when somebody gets goes to rehab under like dire circumstance, they often don't have anything, you know? Like, they don't have a chance. Do you think this is, together... is, is this braggy of me to tell you this story? Am I being braggy no, right now? That's, nor- that's normal behavior. What, for me it's to be braggy? very nice. It's not, you know, it's not bragging. It was it's really interesting, normal... though. I get there, right? And it's like you pull into yeah. rehab and you're a drug addict. There's a certain feeling, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like kind of oh, pu- yeah. it's kind of like public rehab. It's also like kind of like therapeutic community rehab. It's like a long yeah. fucking program, right? It's a how, lo- how long? He's gonna be there for like, like a year? six months. He can be there for a year oh, if he okay. wants. Six months to a year. And uh and I had to go to like the counselor's office. And uh, and I hadn't sat in an office like that in a long time. Uh, but I'll have to say it felt exactly the same, and it felt like I was fucked all over again, just sitting in yeah. there with the with the with the uh, with the uh, slogans on the walls. She had all these like paintings with slogans on them, and uh, one of the slogans she had painted though it was not a traditional recovery slogan. It said. It was all a dream, you know, which is the first I've line. Never, of, I've of, never heard that. It's the first line of the Biggie Small song. You know, it was all a dream. Oh. I used to read Word Up magazine. And uh, I don't know, like to sit in her office and see it was all a dream. It made me feel like, did it make me feel like my addiction was all a dream or my recovery was all a dream? I don't know. Uh, maybe your addiction. But yeah, those kind of settings, like if you've been through them a bunch of times, it's like the smells, the yeah. sat, the just everything is just like flashback. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if you so if, if if you've some, been if you've been there for a long time too, it's as though you, yeah. every time you go back, it's as though you never left. And I think that's probably never going to go away for you. It's like imprinted in your brain at this point. Absolutely. I mean, even when we go on vacation to a hotel. Uh, I get a smell yeah. of the carpet cleaner, and I'm I'm transported to rehab. Yeah, yeah. I get I get that with rubbing alcohol. With I what? Get that I get a rubbing alcohol. But what do you think of? Uh, heroin. Why? Well, don't you didn't use rubbing alcohol while you were shooting up? Not really. No. Really? What did you use it for? Cleaning needles. Yeah, I and... I, I use bleach. Oh, and like putting on your arm afterwards? I use nothing. 
No, I was very fastidious. <laughs> yeah, I was not. I, I, I barely cleaned my needles with anything. To say I used bleach is not even true. I used water. I certainly didn't use rubbing alcohol. It's interesting that it reminds Did you me. use toilet water? No, I used like a glass of water. I'd set up a little glass yeah. of water. And I talked about it on the on the show that uh uh the last show that like at Park City I was on the IV bag, you know? Like the IV yeah. bag of oh, saline yeah. and B12 yeah. and shit. B12, yes. And the first time, the lady couldn't find a vein. Like, and, she, and I swear to God, for an, I sat there for an hour with, I'm like, dude, just fucking do something. And she wasn't yeah. fucking finding anything. I went back the second day and the lady just found one right away, you know? And it makes me think that first woman was not a very great phlebotomist, if that's what she is. Yeah. Maybe, no, right? It shouldn't take the long. She was like, try my foot. <laughs> try yeah. my eyeball. Yeah, I was like, try try this one. Try my neck. Just get it done. <laughs> one of those th- places opened up near me, and it's so weird. You see all these people laying there at a, like a spa, but they all have a thing in their vein, and they're getting, you know, like anti-aging or beauty treatments. It's really expensive. I'd like to get some anti-aging shit right about now. And I'm still kind of basking in the prolonged, Afterglow of um, Park City, so good. I really, really. You had a great time. I had the best. I think you time. want to move to Park Park City. Well, I definitely want to be included in the Park City Song Summit again and again and again. I I, I sent them a box of cats to kind of try to make that happen for myself. Yeah, well, those pictures you sent me were amazing. Well, so fucking uh, join Patreon, sign up for YouTube. There's still tickets for DopeyCon. Please come. The Forever in Debt clothes are coming out from uh, SRO Prince any day now. I've been saying this for three months. That's how long it takes to get these shirts together. But the Forever in Debt shirts are coming out. Are you excited? Yes. I'm very excited about these shirts. All right. Just don't mock I'm, me, Ray. I'm, I'm wearing one right now. I've, I've already made one. I made one myself. Don't mock me, Ray Brown. <laughs> we have Carney Wilson on the show. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we it. here we go. She is a, a a world-class musician, singer, pop star, fucking talk show host, short-lived game show host, and most important a mother, wife, person in recovery, but most importantly to me, and we'll get back to this, a baker and entrepreneur. Let's welcome. get to the important shit. Welcome. Should I, should I start with my shameless pitch or should we wait until you enjoy being on the show before we get to the <laughs> shameless pitch? Whatever you want, darling. Okay, Whatever you ready? You want. you want to start with this? I, I kind of have to now. Yeah. Okay. I start work with at, it, yeah. And you're also Jewish, right? Your mother's Jewish. On my, mother, my mother's side, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm Jewish. I work at Katz's Deli in Manhattan. You know Katz's? I've never been there. That seems crazy to me. Katz's Deli, it's the, most, it's the most famous deli in the world. It was started in 1888. Uh, okay. it, and when Harry met Sally, Sally fixed the orgasm yes. at Katz's. Yes, yeah. Okay. Years ago, I had a vision for a cookie. Uh, I called it the Othello cookie. It was based on a black and white cookie. But you know how, like, with a black and white cookie, you can only get a few bites that are black and white in that bite. So my vision was to make a two-sided cookie where it's black and white in every bite. 
Mm. Okay, you know what I'm saying? We call it the Othello cookie. I'm listening. Right, but would that be like a striped cookie where it's like a little bit like black, white, black, white? So then what the hell are you talking about? I'm saying you got a two-sided cookie. You eat it like this, and one side is Uh black, and the other side is white. Like the old Milton Bradley game Othello with the black and white chips where one side is white and the other side is black. I'm talking about a two-sided cookie here. Oh, I see. You mean top and bottom. Oh, wow. That's a trip. That game just tripped me out like that was so long ago. What do you think about the? Do you think this thing could, could, do you think it's possible to make a, we'll get back to this. We'll get back to the, the yeah, style but, yeah, when you're, we'll get back to that. But I have all these technical things. Like if you hold it, the frosting is going to melt on the bottom. If your hand is, the heat is getting on it. So how do you eat it? You know, you eat it like this, like there's a ring of right, cookie okay, okay. And, and you munch. Around and you just kind of, so yeah. every bite you take has chocolate on top, vanilla on the bottom. I gotcha. Could be pretty brilliant. Do you like cookies? Do I like cookies? Have you ever Come tasted on. Have you ever tasted the Le Petit Ecolier cookie, which is kind of a shortbread biscuit with dark chocolate or milk chocolate on the top, shaped like a little schoolboy? Delicious cookie. You familiar with this cookie? Um, it, it, uh, it, it's not a shortbread cookie, is it? It's biscuit-like. Yeah. I love all cookies. Me too. Except I'm not, like, what do you say, macaron or whatever? Macron. I'm not crazy about those. I don't. I don't like that very much. It's too airy and weird, and like, like too sweet if that's possible. It's just like airy, fucking weird sugar. I, I don't like that. But I love anything chewy, caramely, chocolatey, vanilla-y. Any, yeah. I, I'm. I mean, I'm a baker, so you're you're preaching to the choir here. Well, listen, I, I, I should never have started with the Othello pitch, and I apologize for that. We'll get back to that. And I agree with you on the Macron. My wife always calls them macaroons, which I find to be just... Yeah, me too. Yeah, they're, they're different than macaroons. Macaroons are fucking coconut little dingies, and macarons are sure, French the, weird other French things. fancy, right, fall, 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 like, you know, with the going, I, I know. And the, oh, the sandwich, right, like that. Because I love a moon pie or, you know, an alpha joris, but I'm not into macarons. It's too fancy for me. I don't know. And just to say macaron feels weird. But the mac, there's elements of the macaron that could help facilitate the proper Othello. But I'm interested in a biscuit based with dark chocolate on one side and serious uh-huh. vanilla bean vanilla on the other side, like Haagen-Dazs vanilla, where you see the speckles. Of course. I'm using vanilla paste. I know. I know all about it. Listen. I'm going to try to dazzle you on this show and, and make this a really important interview. And at the end, you can tell me if you're interested in perhaps pursuing the Othello or maybe not. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Like, I really think that sugar and baking is a big part of my sobriety. And then, like, that's what replaced drinking and alcohol for me. So it actually is very relevant. And it's it just it's it's correlated, believe it or not. And it might before, not be for everyone, but it was for me. Before I say another word, Carney Wilson has a company called Carney's Love Bites. And I think the Othello could really fit nicely into the Love Bites catalog. Yeah. She, makes, she makes delicious frozen it's cheesecakes. And, and, and everyone yeah. loves your, your baked goods. I just think there could be something here. Forgive me. Forgive my shameless plug. You plot. never know. You never know. You never know. I'm always, I dream of desserts. I dream of products. So you're, you know, you're talking my language here. I believe that we can sell it in Whole Foods 
and, and Dean and DeLuca's, and we could even sell it on the counter in small grocery stores as a bougie reinvention of the New York City classic. Because a black and white right. cookie is not that high quality. It's like, it's spongy. Right. It doesn't, there's no real vanilla. It's bullshit if you really want to. Oh, I know. Depends on the bakery, though, you know. But there's nothing more worse than, there's nothing worse than getting a dry cookie and that you're just, you know, you're disappointed in. I went to Magnolia Bakery in, in New York yesterday, or no, the day before yesterday. I was in Manhattan, and I was so excited, and I even put it on Instagram. And, and you know, it's like, I love Magnolia Bakery. I, I, they have a few. I have the cookbooks. I was It was dry, it, and the, the um, holy shit, the they got to watch out. That was spoiled spoiled milk frosting on that red velvet cookie. I had to spit it out. What the hell was that? That's disgraceful. I was so disappointed. Disgraceful. It's horrible, but I, I, I don't want to put anyone down. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk bad about anyone because that's not kind, but they got to fucking get their shit together because that was not okay. I'll tell you, Magnolia Bakery was the spot in the West Village, a classic spot that had classic chocolate buttercream icing. That's where I should have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have really good, re- the best thing that I ever had from Magnolia is a double chocolate brownie. Fucking intense intense brownie Mm. but they started franchising and they put a spot in penn Uh station and they put a spot by radio city music hall and i think that they their their ability and i know that dopey has the ability to topple magnolia bakery and i look forward to the challenge of toppling magnolia (laughs) bakery but um i'm more upset that you were in manhattan yesterday and we could have done this in person when did you flew home last Uh night no we had a flight cancellation on um on monday and it was a big nightmare. My kids and I were there for a festival in um, Glen Cove, uh, Long Island. And it was beautiful with a girls rising charity with these great Antigone rising is a rock band, these five girls and they're awesome. And there's some sobriety in there too. So that's great. But anyway, long story short is our flight was canceled. We had to stay at the airport. And then the next day the girls are like, mommy, you know, we wanted to go to Manhattan the whole time. So we went to Manhattan and then we went to the airport and we just got home. So it was a whirlwind, but yeah, it would have been great to be in person, but you know, I saw you were, I live, I live in Long Island. I work in Manhattan and you were at the Patchogue theater and I saw posters and I was like, how do we get Carney on the show? And, um, so either way, I'm happy you're on the show and, and I'm, I'm sad. I missed you. Maybe next time we can go eat cookies together and, and really plan. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I I could talk talk about it for, I mean, forget sex. I just want dessert. Uh, we were talking about that before. Um, but uh, I, I've also always been a little bit obsessed with your father and your family and, and, and the phenomenon that was the Beach Boys. And, and like, I don't know why. Like, I, I love your, your dad has always just like meant so much to me, like in this crazy, weird, mythological way. And when I was a kid, I got a job. Like I was like 14 or something and I was a babysitter and, um, and the, the kids go to bed and I think on NBC, they, they did one of the first beach boys biopics back then. Yeah. It was like in the mid eighties uh-huh. and it just affected me in this crazy way. Like I wanted to experience drugs. Uh, I wanted to experience like the, it, it wasn't like a particularly well done movie, but there was something about it that really captured my imagination. Not to mention, I'm just a fan of your father's uh, musicianship and songwriting. And like, then I started really getting interested in the story of Brian Wilson and 
you were born in 1968, which was around the sandbox piano period, right? I don't know when that was. It was only like, believe it or not, the sand was in the house for only like three days and my mom couldn't handle it and then they hauled it away. Well, they talk. They talked about it so much that you imagine it was there for like three years, I right? I know, I know. And, I know. Um, but he did have the piano in the sand and I do believe he was playing and writing with it in the sand. <laughs> and growing up in Such that house, like growing up in that house, what was the experience like? And, and how old were you when your folks split up? Um, well, you know, growing up in that house is probably why I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in, in a 12-step program today. It was, it was pretty crazy, you know. There's a lot of really weird memories, and then there's a lot of really great memories. Um, music was always playing, and, you know, I just, we had this, um, this big den, this family room, and the stereo system was like, I remember when they put in a new system, and they had, we, we had these two big speakers, they were enormous, and we were able to play music really loudly, and it was we were in heaven because we would be blasting all our favorites, you know, Fleetwood Mac and the Carpenters and Elton John, the Eagles and, you know, Doobies, it, it, the list goes on. But like, it was just like, uh, and boogie, boogie, boogie. And that's when we started like getting on the fireplace and like singing for everyone. And China and Wendy and I, we were always friends. And so we started performing for anybody that would come to the house. We'd be like, come see the show. And we don't know what show it was. It was just us singing to like broomsticks and hairbrushes and just like, we had to had to get up there and we would charge everybody a nickel and it was just part of coming to the house and my dad would be in and out depending on where he was what he was doing he was in his room a lot he would wander the house a lot of the memories of my father is just him wandering from room to room we had a big house and he just liked to walk from one room to the next he'd go to the piano he'd play a little bit of like i don't know like kind of jerry lee lewis type things or or um uh, Rhapsody in Blue. I heard Rhapsody in Blue every single day of my life. And then he would put on Don't Worry Baby, um, you know, by the Ronettes or Phil Spector. And and it was just like this on repeat. And it was weird, odd, erratic, and weird behavior. He was um, not there for us at all. He was just a weird man who was trapped in his, um, his head. And... Um, you know, we would try to eat dinner together and he would eat the steak in three bites and then be at the piano before my mom could put our plates down. So we just didn't, I didn't have a normal upbringing, you know, and he wasn't on tour. He never went on tour when we were alive. Um, and then that happened, that was till about, I was about 11 and a half. And wow. then he, um, he got really, he got really weird with drugs. And I remember being in, the back maid's room and I don't remember like there's only just a few little bits of uh the visions that come but he had tried to um make me snort some heroin up my nose and I ran out to my mom and I said mommy mommy daddy's trying to make me put this yellow powder in my nose and the next day she you know filed for divorce that that was it that was that was it wow um, she really tried to hang in there but that was uh yeah, it's, 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 now that I have kids, I just, you have to be so out of it, so lost in your disease to actually think that, you know, it's just, it's horrible. And 
you know, it's not that I'm mad at him or have anger towards that, but it's just, it's baffling to me. And it shows me the power of drug addiction and alcoholism. And mental illness, yeah. though. You know, your dad, your dad has ah, mental illness. Yes, yes. And, oh, yeah. and like, he, you know, he's not my dad and he's not my friend. I'm a fan of his and I've read a lot of books about him. So I'm, I'm familiar for, from him from afar, but I never heard that story. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like, and if you watch any movies about your dad, you're, the kids aren't in the movies. You know what I mean? You can have Love and Mercy, this movie about his love and his mercy, and the children are not anywhere in it. And I'm not saying it judgmentally, but I'm just saying like as a document. And, and I know you, you've, have you, you and your dad have some sort of a men's situation, right? I, I saw pictures of him oh, with yeah. the grandkids and everything. Yes. Did you ever yeah, yeah, ask yeah. him no. about the heroin situation? No, no, because I think it would be, I think he's, he, he's, we've had this beautiful, um, like I came to him and told him I was sober years, years later. I mean, it'll be 19 years since I have taken a drink or a drug, but I did change my sobriety date, you know, from uh, refilling a prescription of Ambien um, three times. And so that we can talk about, but I love I, that story I, too. I, By the way, I heard yeah, you tell that I mean, story and I want to go right into it, but we're going to, I want to hear about this yeah, stuff. It's very, very important. Yeah. That's a very important story for people that have relapsed or, you know, have, have issues with, with prescription drugs or whatever. But, um, I went to my dad and said, you know, I, I've been sober and it's really amazing. And I say the serenity prayer and he goes, I love the serenity prayer, you know? And, um, we, we, we formed a relationship and he, he apologized um, on a Mother's Day. We were at, we were at his house, and my grandma was alive still then. And, and he said, "You know, I got a lot of a lot of issues with my mom. You know, she really hurt me." And I said, "I know, I know, Dad." And she was across the pool, you know, in her little wheelchair. It's like about a year before she died. And um, and he goes, "And you know, and I know that I was I I was a terrible father, and I wasn't there for you, but." Um, I'm so sorry. And, and he said, <laughs> he goes, you have the most beautiful face I've ever seen. And I said, Tad, you know, he's so sweet. He's very sweet and loving. And he said, but I, I'm so grateful for your mother, Marilyn, you know, that she was there for you. And I, I didn't know how to do it. And thank God for her. So that was the, probably the most important day ever for me up, up to that point, because, um, all you want is some kind of acknowledgement for somebody that really caused you a lot of pain. Um, but it's not like I can change. He still was never a hands-on father. He's still not. He's, he's not a hands-on grandfather at all. In fact, I don't think he even knows all the names of his grandkids. But that's mental illness, and there's ha there has to be some kind of forgiveness and compassion. Compassion. Absolutely. Compassion for someone that's ill, and that's the sick sick man's prayer, and that is something I say. And and I and I, you know, my program, my twelve step, because that's what I do to keep sober, has taught me a lot. So, you know, um, he and I have a big connection with music, and we always have. And um, you know, he's he's eighty years old as of you know two days ago. He's really getting older. He's got back problems and he's very scared to be old. He is tripped out about being old. And he asked me every time I see him, how old are you? You're not 54. There's no way, you know, no, you're not, you know, he's, <laughs> but, um, he's like one of the oddest people you you will ever meet. And people are so scared to be around him just because he's Brian Wilson, but because his, 
He's so sensitive to people's energy that people don't know how to react around him because he's thinking about like you're standing next to him and you're a tall man. And so he's intimidated because you're because you're tall or you're wearing a hat that scares him. We don't know what the hell's going on in his brain. But for me, it's very easy to be around him because we have a connection together. So this last Christmas, we spent three hours just holding hands and telling each other we loved each other. And what more could I want in my life than that? The past is the past. Right. And I work a 12-step program, too. And I was taught, like, if I have a resentment, you pray for the person. You know, that's the only way to deal with the resentment. There's no other way to deal with it. And I'm sure you prayed uh, like hell for your dad. And and it sounds like he really came around. And like, that's really incredibly beautiful to me. And I I love that. And uh, I have such a crazy space in my heart for him. I don't know why. I just I'm such a fan of his. And I I love him like in this weird way. Um, And uh, I know he's a genius. He's great. He's great. And um, but. When's when's the first? And I just can't believe the heroin story. That's nuts. Thank God you didn't try heroin at thirteen. This would be a totally different uh, dope, dopey episode. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> well, you never know. Like I, I had Mackenzie Phillips on a few times, and, and she was doing dope at a very young age. And um, when's the first time you smoked pot? Uh, let's see. God, I would say. Oh, I know. I was, um, my parents passed me a joint when I was about nine. Wow. We were all, we were in a living room, in that den, in the family room, and they were just parting up a storm. I might have been younger. I might have been around seven. This was like the mid-70s, maybe 75. So I was about seven or whatever. And um, and they said, hey, you want to try it? You know, and which is like, what the fuck is that about? But anyway, um, I remember this little roach, you know, and then taking a little hit. And I remember the, the resin on the roach and it was sticky and I could smell it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I love pot so much that I just like, I can't, I, I'm actually like salivating. Like it, it actually, I wish I could smoke pot. Me too. And then that would be it. Yes. I wish I could. And it's not me like trying to like encourage people or like, a proponent or whatever it's not it's not that i'm a proponent of marijuana i think it's i think it's magnificent the problem for me is that if i smoke pot i want other things and if i smoke pot all i think about is smoking pot me too if if i if i if i take a bong hit i'm going to be smoking bong hits all day there is no one hit and 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 i'll and i'll just be defined by him. And I loved being a stoner. Me being a stoner, it was the greatest thing oh, that like ever happened to me. Ever. Ever. So, oh my so, God, 15 years, total stoner. When total did it start for you? So, being- so I, well, it started um, at 15. I was at a Weight Watchers camp and it was like torture because we were, you know, trying to lose weight. And we were, I used to bring posters of hamburgers on my wall and read pictures of burritos. And we used to pay the, I have so many stories. Oh my God. Pay the counselors to go get, you know, loaf of bread and jam. I once was smoking a cigarette at 15 in, in the dorm room and I had a jar of Jif peanut butter with a twig sticking out of it. And I locked myself out of the door with a burning cigarette on the desk. And I had to call the counselor and say, cause you know, either the place was gonna burn down or I was gonna be guilty. I had no choice. So I, so I said, um, not only is there a burning cigarette in the room, there's a jar of Jif with a fucking twig sticking out of it <laughs> at fat camp. It was 
the classic. So, but I started smoking. We used to sneak pot and there couldn't have been a worse place to be stoned at, at a camp where you couldn't eat. Yes. So we'd get the munchies and it was like, we were desperate to have a pizza delivered through the window, which we did. We always accomplished it because we you know if there was a will, there was a way. So I started about 15 years old, I would say, started smoking pot. And then by 17, I was a stoner. And at 18, when I was in high school, um, I barely graduated. I started coming to school stoned and, and then pot just became everything. And while we started the group Wilson Phillips, um, when I was in the summer of my graduating year, um, you know, I was like in the middle of just like living in a bong and experiencing the CD for the first time and how amazingly crispy and fabulous music sounded, but combining it with, with being stoned and the group forming that's that shaped the next, you know, decade of my life. And it wasn't, what was there hallucinogens? Was there other things or was it just like stonerdom or was it everything? Um, no, it was, it was, there was some cocaine at like 18, 19 with some parties. And I remember it was laced with some speed one time and it was a horrible experience and it really turned me off. But I do remember moving out into an apartment and, um, being on the floor and looking for any amount of Coke on the floor, on the carpet, just completely going crazy for more cocaine. Um, so I did cocaine about 10 times, but I, I, I love the feeling, but it was, I, I'm so high energy anyway. It wasn't the right fit for me. And I did some acid a couple times, made a big fool of myself there, um, with some acid. And then, um, I did mushrooms, which I didn't like. I wasn't a psychedelics girl. I was too paranoid. How did you make but a fool of yourself? How did you make a fool of yourself with acid? We, we we took some acid and we went to Jack in the Box um, on the corner of um, Pico and Veteran in Los Angeles, and we were like harassing everybody, like doing weird shit in in Jack in the Box. And this boy said, he said, and I remember it specifically. He goes, "What the hell are you on?" And I I, I think we were like. You know, we're, we're, we're on fucking acid, you know, dude. And the, <laughs> I, I was just tripping hard, but I was, um, we laughed a lot. Sure. It was kind of a funny one. The mushroom trip. I didn't like, we were smoking pot. Also we were smoking out of a pipe and it looked like, I thought it was a spider web and there was a spider was going to come and eat, you know, go up my nose. I started tripping out weird and it just wasn't, I didn't like that. I really felt out of control. Like I was just. I really didn't like it, but marijuana leveled me. Pot, pot used to calm me down when my mind was very because I'm kind of ADD and me you too. know I used to stutter. You know, yeah, I used to stutter and like I was always my brain was always moving fast and I used to talk really fast and pot really calmed me down. And you know, I loved the way food tasted. Um, I loved having sex. I loved, I couldn't believe how amazing an orgasm was when you were stoned. It was like, what the fuck being stoned and, you know, and coming was like beyond. So I was kind of addicted to that, you know, and then, um, and then I had a professional career. I wasn't drinking at that point. I wasn't doing any other drugs, nothing at all, just occasional marijuana. And then I realized I can't travel with it. Um, I started therapy. We were writing songs that brought up a lot of issues in our lives. And I started realizing shit. So I was about 19 or 20 and started therapy. And my therapist was like, you can't come to therapy stoned. So 
I, I am embarked on this kind of like self-awareness, self-healing journey with my therapist trying to, to not smoke pot anymore. And then while being on the road promoting records and doing concerts, that's what happened. So, yeah, I mean, a lot happened in between then. So you, but the, is uh, that when you started drinking when you're on the road? No. So, no. so you just, you, you just kind of went a little bit abstinent. My first question though was, you know, having your dad be this prodigious drug addict and your uncle Dennis was a prodigious drug addict and an alcoholic who died basically from the disease of alcoholism. Um, were you scared of being a stoner at all or, or experimenting with drugs based on your family trauma? Was, it's an amazing question. And yes, I was, but I remember being very young, like six, five or six, just like in kindergarten. And my mom saying, she was very open about it. And she said, um, you know, your father is a, is a musical genius, but he has a drug problem. And drugs are pills and, and things you put in your body that make your mind feel funny and take you to another place. And he can't stop when he does it. And he's he took too much of these drugs and it messed up his mind. And he loves you, but he has a problem. And you girls have to be very careful when you grow up that you have the same blood as him. And this is how she explained it to me. She said, you have the same blood and you don't know how it's going to affect you. So be very careful. So you can talk to a teenager and they're gonna be like, and they're gonna be like, ah, who cares? But as a child, I kind of put it into a, a compartment, right. you know, in my mind and in my heart. And it was always in the back of my head. But when I found marijuana, it was like, you know, that was it. It was Nothing. meant for you. I didn't you. care anymore. It was, it was, it it was, was meant for me. I had the exact same experience because I was this neurotic, crazy person and, and I found it made me how I wanted to be, which was chill yeah. and like chill. And goofy and silly and fun and not yes. care so much the about laughter. everything. Yeah. And have, and have this intensity oh. around beauty and, and at the same time, not being so hung up on disappointment or expectations or all of these things. I remember the first time I was in rehab, I was in rehab for heroin and they asked me to write a letter to my drug. And I was just right. I just wrote like how, how this whore of heroin took me away from my beautiful girlfriend, which was marijuana. You know what I mean? Like if I hadn't have done it, like I, I might've been okay. You know what I mean? Like, so I had the exact same experience. Um, and I, and, and it's funny because like, especially now, I mean, I guess weed has been legal in California forever. It's, it's now legal in New York and it's like, it's, it's weird. You know what I mean? It's fucking weird. It's like, it's. I'm well, so glad it wasn't when I was, when I was younger, I could easily, easily have become a heroin addict. There's just no, no question. I'm just glad it wasn't that available. I mean. I, I did everything I could to score and I knew I was an addict when I just could not deal with not having my bag of weed. Right. And it was, I felt shameful about it, but at the same time, um, slightly entitled, um, uh, physically addicted. Uh, I went to marijuana's anonymous when I was like 20 and walked in and was like, I know I have a problem, but this place is weird and it'll get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, but it, 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 it wasn't the marijuana that really 
brought me to to my knees it was alcohol how did it what was the transition like when did you start drinking and, and like you're talking about like when your therapist was like you can't come here stone how did, what did you do like how did you stop smoking I just wouldn't come to the session high and I built a very beautiful relationship with him and I still talk with him occasionally but we've been through a lot together and he's really helped me and he said you know you know Alcoholics Anonymous could be really great for you if you want to admit that you're an alcoholic this was years later but as a as a as a pot addict I mean I could stop for periods of time I could go on the road I could I could not do it but I always came back to it and when I reached a, a point in my life when I was so physically unhealthy I kind of was like I'm going to get my life together here. I was living alone. I, I broke off an engagement with a, with a guy. We, we were engaged. And um, he died, by the way. He died um, of alcoholism. Um, but, you know, we were very unhealthy together. And I, had, I wasn't even drinking at that time. But when we broke up, I felt very lost. I was broke. I was working at a needlepoint store. and I But I wasn't doing drugs or, or drinking. And I was just very unhappy and very physically it was about 320 pounds wow and um i had bell's palsy one day that woke me up we talked about that it woke me up i thought it was a stroke and it really you know set me in line and i decided to have a gastric bypass and and i lost a bunch of weight and i met this guy and and we're married now 22 years but i started drinking when i had lost i was about 140 30 pounds down and I just didn't recognize myself anymore. I looked in the mirror and I, and I was, and we didn't have kids, not, you know, we were living in Philadelphia and Manny Young. And I was, I would lay my head on his chest every night in bed and I'd say, cry, I would just cry. I don't know who I am. I, I can't look in the mirror. I don't know who I am. I don't recognize myself, you know? And I couldn't, um, and, and, and I started to want to escape from those feelings. Like I was so used to doing and having been through some therapy and having, um, you know, being 31 years old and just naturally more evolved from life experience, I, I was more in touch with the fact that I was really trying to escape and that I, that I couldn't handle these feelings and newly married. So I started looking um, if he had a stash, you know, so I was looking, I'm like, do you think you do you do you, do you, you know you part because I remember he he's in a rock band and he he was a he wasn't a partier he was a normie and is a normie but I noticed like I, he goes yeah I have a stash and I'll smoke pot once occasionally but like I took his stash and I'm like I didn't understand that so the minute I started smoking his pot I took all his stash and it was shitty you know shitty weed with seeds everywhere it was old annoying. probably he wasn't you know, smoking it yeah old and like headache kind of stone, you yeah, know, yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. but I would roll the joints and I would just, you know, deplete his little stash. And so, um, I started drinking wine. That was my first, you know, kind of intro into out into my, you know, the big drinking. And I, I loved it. And we still, I lived away from my family. I missed everyone. And, um, I was starting to like party and like, then I, then I became really uninhibited. And then I started feeling more comfortable in my body because I was always horny and wanted to dance and just got like, you know, I was like, I was size six and I was feeling sexy finally for the first time ever. And alcohol was great for that. 
So Rob started performing at clubs and I would go to the clubs and that's when I started to get really wasted, like a lot of vodka. And then vodka became my, my choice. And I would just, oh God, I did many things I, that I'm ashamed of, you know? I mean, I would basically, I don't know, I just, I told Sean Penn I wanted to fuck him in an elevator. I humped a, I humped a cone outside a sushi restaurant. Then my hernia popped out and I had to lay on the ground and then fucking somebody like pushed the hernia. Oh God. I got drunk at Neiman Marcus and, and I wound up with a thousand dollar bill. I drove home drunk. Apparently I bought everybody in the upstairs Neiman Marcus and Beverly Hills, the lobster roll. Nice. Very generous. <laughs> very generous. But you know, and I was a very sappy drunk. I was very loving. And Emotional. I told everybody how. Oh God, I was like, you smell so good. I love you. You know, everything was really mushy and I love you. And I was never belligerent or weird, but it was just so sad and pathetic. And I never felt a kind, I mean, pot had me, you know, by the throat, but alcohol, Jesus, it was a lot more powerful than, than marijuana. And, um, Rob, I was, uh, 31 and Rob went away to Weed, California. Nice. To make a record. Yeah, Weed, California, to make a record with um, Sylvia Massey, a producer. And he had to stay up there for about 10 weeks. And he left. We had no kids. I was in a big house in Tarzana all by myself, drinking away. And he would call me and I would be pissed drunk. And he'd call me and say, Are you drinking? And I'd say, No, no, I'm not drinking. No, I promise I'm not. And I knew it was the end of my drinking because I was calling everybody that I knew and loved and saying, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Do you think I'm an alcoholic? Cause I think I have a problem because I, 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 you know, and honestly, when I knew that it was time is when I wanted to drive my car off the cliff, I was going down Coldwater Canyon. I was like, you know, I can't stop drinking. And, you know, really what's the point here? You know, if I can't drink, I'm going to feel, I don't want to feel this sadness. I'll just drive my car off the cliff. You know, I was never, ever had that, but the alcohol was so powerful over me. I just thought I'm either going to give it up and give this a shot, or I'm going to give up. And I chose to, and I remember one day, um, I'm just going to fast forward because there was a whole experience with a ghost that pulled the covers down my leg. And we have to, no, 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 hold up, hold up. We have to hear the ghost story. Let's hear, oh the, let's, come on, let's hear the ghost story. Oh, fuck. Well, in Weed, where Rob was staying, he said to me after like a week, you're not going to like this place because I missed him so much. I was full on drinking and I, and, I, and I said, I have to see you. You know, I, I miss you, baby. And he said, well, it's not the Ritz-Carlton. You're not going to like it. There's ants in the kitchen. And it was an old movie theater that Sylvia converted to a studio. There was an apartment above. And he said, I'm staying in the apartment. It's the middle of July in the summer. It's hot as fuck. It was 115 degrees. It was record, record high heat. And I went there and uh, and I <sighs> um, walked into the the apartment above the theater and it was really weird feeling. And um, we went to sleep and there were two twin beds. We were each sleeping in the, a different bed. And um, I remember in the middle of the night, something 
yanked the covers off my legs, like the covers really hard and really fast. And I felt that, you know, like when you have a blanket and you have like electric, when you move it real fast and you hear, hear the electrical, you feel it, yeah, the yeah, current. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, I felt it to my ankles and I woke up and went, what the fuck was that? You know? And I looked and the covers were off my legs and it suddenly pulled the covers down. And I looked at the clock across the room. It was like a little Ellie red light, 2.34 a.m. And I said, Rob, honey, wake up. He said, what is it? I said, something pulled the covers off my legs just now. And he goes, go back to bed. You know, what's, you know, you're dreaming. And I said, no, no. It, you know, so I crawled in bed with him and like spooned him his back and I was terrified went back to sleep and the next day I decided to make dinner for Sylvia, the producer and her husband at the time. And I'm making dinner, an Indian dinner from scratch. Nice. And we're eating this sog paneer. I made the fucking cheese cubes hanging from the sink, you know, like the real deal. Yeah. And she goes, so have you experienced the ghost? Oh no. And I like, I like dropped my plate, you know, and I went, oh my God, Sylvia, what the, you don't understand, you know, I didn't want to say anything because I'm embarrassed, like you think I'm nuts, but something grabbed my legs and pulled and yanked the covers down. And she goes, oh no, you were his next victim? And I went, what the hell are you talking about? Apparently there was a ghost there that was a barber that committed suicide there. He had dark hair and glasses and he was in the, in the theater a lot. People have seen him, but the weirdest part was that he liked women. And he preyed on the women there. And there was a girl that was recording there. Um, and mind you, Tom Petty, Chili Peppers, they've all been to this place. It was a really cool place, but it was clearly haunted. And this one like biker chick, real tough girl, was there for about three days. She was supposed to be there for a week. And every morning she woke up with her pants off her legs and in the corner of the room. And she just said, I'm, I'm out of here. So she bailed and I, I, I said to Sylvia, you know, I don't know if I can sleep there anymore. I'm terrified. And she goes, well, I guess we have to have another exorcism, you know. And and so what she did is she changed the bed. She bought a queen bed. And the, a priest came in, another exorcism. But the reason I bring it up is for two things. One, I believe that I was, um, that that happened for a reason to say, get your shit together. And um I had a psychic come with me for a TV show. We went back to to, fi to film and discover who this ghost was and what the message was. And the psychic said to me, he was speaking through your grandpa Murray, yeah. who was trying to tell you, get your life together because you're gonna die. And so this was a wake up call for you. And then I had this spiritual experience up there. I went to a place called Panther Meadows. I took a journal. I, this was two weeks later, I stopped drinking. I went, walked into the rooms of AA, had this big epiphany, went back up to weed, California and prayed in the monk where the monks prayed. And I have it all written down in a journal, my new sobriety. I want a baby, you know, um, I got a sponsor right away. Right. And I started with the program, but I started journaling and doing the work she was telling me to do. But the classic is, I was ovulating that night. Wow. And we were in, we were in the apartment where the ghost had grabbed my legs. The, they painted the room. They had a new bed. It was totally different. And I said, Rob, let's go make a baby. 
And my daughter was conceived right in that bed, right in that fucking room. Amazing. Oh, my God. Grandpa, Gra- Grandpa Murray standing by. <laughs> right. Fucking. Grandpa Murray, hopefully not watching. That's what I'm saying. By. That's what, what I'm saying. What a trip. So, wow. you know, it's just amazing. 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 Yeah. And uh, that's the only positive Grandpa Murray story I've ever heard, by the way. So that's good. <laughs> that's nice. Um <laughs> I That's feel good about that. You should tell you should tell your dad that that you know Grandpa Murray did something good for the Wilson family in that moment. So that's good. Uh, well, he always scared me, but ever since then, I, I do have a picture of him that I keep. You know that because the psychic also said to me, he's very upset that you acknowledge everybody else, and he's so sorry for what how he behaved. He wished he could take it back, but he he wants you to acknowledge him from now on. So I do. Nice. You know what I mean? I forgive you, Murray. You know, I acknowledge him now. So it was very important for many reasons. It's interesting, though, that your grandfather gets such a historically bad rap, right? He gets a legendary bad rap, (laughs) you know? I mean... You know, when he drank alcohol, he became very much like a tyrant. He was not a gentle man. Right, right. You know? Right. Um, it wasn't gentle. I, I have a lot of questions, though. My first question is that this story of, I mean, not the ghost story. I love the ghost story. But your overarching story, it kind of skips when Wilson Phillips hit it bigger than big, stratospherically big. Where was your addiction at? Like, how was the addict in you coping with the success? I, I wasn't able to really, I wasn't drinking at that point. And so I was able to like kind of go in and out of smoking pot, but like I had started, I had a letdown, letdown effect really badly when we came home from tour and I was, I, I was very freaked out, you know, that we had this big fame and money and it was really trippy. And then, and then China just bailed. We were ready to make another record and she just left the group and I, it was very difficult. Um, and so I, I had met this guy who I was engaged to years later that was a big stoner. I didn't know he was a drug addict too. He hid everything from me, but um, we started using together. So I sort of delved into like really heavy, heavy duty pot smoking with him and this relationship that was very toxic. We had a lot of fun though, too, a lot of fun. And it's, you know, um, but, but it was like, I had reunited with my father through music at that time. I had started a talk show. We moved to New York or Connecticut. And then I started in the television land and I was just, you know, just kind of smoking, but not drinking, you know? And, um, and then it wasn't until after that breakup, you know, I had gotten pregnant and had a miscarriage and he had taken all my medication and I was in so much pain and poor Steven was such an addict. And it was just, it really ended poorly. And years later, thank God for for the program, he and I both made amends to each other. He just couldn't stay sober and then he wound up dying. But, you know, when I, when I had lost all that weight and met my current husband who went through the whole process with me, he was not, he's not an addict. He's just a jazz musician with OCD, you know? Right, right but a big kind heart and patient to be with me. So he has seen my, my, you know, ebb and flow of addiction. It's also just fascinating that when you lost the weight, that's when you were the most out of sorts, when that's what you wanted so badly. And you're like, where's my true genuine self? It's like, it's really interesting. 
Cause, cause you it rarely, is. you rarely hear about like somebody at 31 succumbing to alcoholism at that point after everything you had been through and your family history. It's like, it's very interesting to me. And, um, and when you got to AA, you were like, finally, I'm understood. I'm home. Like, I understand this and I, and I like it. Like, that's the impression that I've, I've gotten. Yeah. I just remember looking out the window one day and looking at all the trees and going, you know, if there's something this beautiful that, that something bigger than us has created, there has to be a way that I can receive help from that, that power. And when I, when I went into the rooms, it was the first time that I would hear other people talk about the way I felt inside. You know, it's like, and then I heard this lady spoke, she was from New York, she was really funny and I really liked her. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I want her to, to kind of be by my side and, and I guess take me through these steps, you know? Um, and I just, I loved it. I couldn't wait to get into the work. But one day at a time, it was like, I was, I, I was sober. I, I wasn't, it, and honest, you know, not, I was sober for the first time ever. And it was, um, it was like a, like a, a real experience. It, it, I was like, what is keeping me from doing that, from drinking or using? I really don't know, but it's something that it's not me, you know? And then you kind of get into the steps and you get, and you accept that power bigger than you. And you can, you can feel sane again and you can just go through these and, I did my step four, um, you know, dad was a big part of it. And, you know, even my mom was, you know, and I really, I, I did the work and I've had the same person, same sponsor for 19 years, almost 19 years. And um, we've been through a lot together, but, and now I'm sponsoring someone. She's a singer. She's, she's amazing. Is it Ariana? Is it Ariana? What's it? Is it, what's the, what's the woman's name? Is it uh, I'm going to fuck up my joke. What's the woman who says Callie sober? What's the Kelly Osborne? No, that woman. Oh. It's very famous singer. Not Miley Cyrus, Howie. This it's a very uh, uh, famous uh. singer who uh it's not Ariana Grande. She says Callie sober because she smokes weed. Fuck, I ruined my joke. Oh yeah, uh, Demi Lovato. Demi is it Lovato. Demi is Demi Lovato your sponsor? Yes, okay, good. No. Oh, oh well. That was that would be no, awesome. No, she's not. Um did, did you <laughs> no, she's were, did you find that before you were working a twelve step program, like where was spirituality for you? I, I love self-help books. I, I, I was never religious. I, I, I prayed and stuff, but it would be, it would be more like, Oh God, please take this hangover away. You know, right. Or something like that. It was, it wasn't, it was nothing like, like I've experienced in 12 step, nothing. It's not religious. It's spiritual. So I was confused. Um, I thought, well, I'm, I'm reading all these self-help books and, it's like, love yourself, love your inner child. And then it stopped there. And I needed to fill the, I need to fill the hole. You know, I mean, I'm born with holes and I have to keep filling them. And I still do it. I still do it with food. I still do it with anything that feels good, tastes good, smells good. I want it now. I want it yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, when I go to Vegas, I'm very triggered very triggered. I walk into a casino. I start sweating. I start getting very anxious. I start feeling like I want to have martinis and, and Twinkies and fucking dicks. And I just get like really crazy. It's hypercharged it's, with addiction, 
right? The town yeah. is fucking hypercharged with yeah. addiction. It's intense. Yeah, and it's it's like yeah. it's 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 not like fun. It's not the fun kind. It's it's crazy. I I know what you mean. Yes, but but I. It's amazing to sort of know, like after all these years, who you are. Like that's who I am. I'm I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I know the things that trigger me. And then life happens, and things trigger me when I don't expect them to. But. I have like a little, I have something to fall back on and lean on, which is my sober sisters, my sponsor, my program, the tools, the things I've learned that have kept me sober through really hard times. And, and, you know, I was just talking about this morning with my sponsee, you know, I don't know what's keeping me sober that day. Is it God? Is it the phone call? Is it the meeting? Is it my children? Is it, you know, is it the meatloaf? I don't know what's going to make me go out. Is it happiness? Is it fear? Is it boredom? Is it um, pain? I don't know. But I know that I can't live in the past and I can't live in the future. And my sobriety has taught me to, as much as I can, stay in the moment, even when the moment is really great or really bad. Sometimes, no, I get it. Sometimes, like I say, like the only thing that's keeping me sober is that I'm not using. You know what I mean? Like that every day I'm making this decision not to put a mood or mind altering substance into me and, and you string enough of those days together and you're sober. And, and the second you do the other thing, you're not sober anymore. And it's like, it's like, it's funny because people who like, I mean, I didn't get it. I, I didn't get sober until I was 41. I was a heroin addict for a long time. I was on methadone for a long time. I, I was totally fucked, you know, and, um, and I've strung together a bunch, you know, I'm going to, um, if I make it, I'll have seven years in August and I'm, you know, I started, we started the show. August what? August 13th, August 13th. 13th. Okay. Why? No, cause my, my, my sobriety date for my alcohol is August 4th. The truth, Sorry. The, the truth is I don't even know my sober date. It was around then. And I, and I just picked uh, August 13th cause I thought Friday the right, 13th right. was a nice choice, but like, um, I but know wait, the, one thing I want to say, wait, one thing, the weirdest thing ever. I just raised my hand. Like I'm in a fucking classroom. Yes. Um, Carney. yes. Thank you. Um, um, my, my second sobriety date for the, um, Ambien is Dennis's, um, uh, death. Wow. Ironically. Wow. That was what that movie, that movie that I was talking about was really about Dennis. It was like a biopic about Dennis and it showed like him, you know, your, your dad was with that crazy Elliot Landy and, and Dennis is trying to get your dad to eat cheeseburgers with them. So they run off and do Coke. Did you ever see this movie? Probably. Um, I've seen them all, and they're yes. all—they all really kind of suck. The only one I kind of liked is um, Love and the, Mercy, the, the, the latest one, the yeah, latest with, one with John Cusack. I thought that one. with John Cusack. No, not that one. No, no, no not that one. Which no, one? Not that one. The latest one called Long Promise Road. I didn't see that one. That's a what? I didn't see it. Long Promise Road. I'll so, see it. I'll watch it tonight. Oh my God! Get ready. Oh, I, I could, I could barely watch it. Um, it's on PBS right now. It's, okay. it's on PBS right now. Yeah. It's, it's really neat. You know, he talks a lot, um, in the car and he's very like mellow. 
Yeah. I just don't like any of those. I just, I just don't feel like they're really truthful and you can't rewrite history. And, you know, unless you were fucking there. Oh my God. There's a cat's butthole in my face. Hi. I hate the cat. Hi. That's Onyx. I, I, I hate the cats cat. Cats yeah, scare me. Wow. This cat, I want to, I want to like, I want it to go away. I want this cat to be done. Uh, anyway. I, I, I actually frightened of cats but um i was just saying that you know unless you're there it's like how do you know what happened you of know? course and i know people that, that's just it so you know um everybody wants to depict you know certain things and it's just hard it's just hard well the coolest thing was the actual footage of of your dad when he did pet sounds and when they try to remake it in in love and mercy with the kid like that looked pretty close to the footage that we've all seen. But I want to hear about the ambient story um, because I think that could help some people. And I want to hear about the CBD component. Did you smoke yeah. the CBD flower or no? No. No, 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 no. no. I, I was taking CBD that I still take that's, you know, no THC. It's like a, it's, it's the pure CBD. And now I take it because I find that at night... The CBD gives me, I don't know what it is. I've never slept more, I've never slept that well. And I have anxiety and I have arthritis in my fingers. How do you take and, it? You know, is it, is it a pill? I just take a, an oil. I take CBD drops. Did you ever consider yeah. smoking the CBD flower? Or is that just insanity? No. Someone told me about that, and I was like, I want to take CBD bong hits. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? What? Somebody told me that CBD flower, like it's like non-alcoholic beer. It's like bud that you can smoke. It's, it's not good for me to talk about or, or you to hear about, really. I've heard about CBD in flower form or in powder form because like for baking or something. But smoke. what do you mean smoking it? I, I heard, I was actually doing an interview with a friend of mine who I go to meetings with and he had shared yeah. about people who were smoking CBD flour and all of a sudden my ears perked up like it's like some, you know, non-alcohol. I, I never was a big drinker and I never was interested in non-alcoholic beer, but the, like, like yeah. you, I loved weed and the idea of smoking something that tasted like bud and that wasn't bud appealed to me. <laughs> so when I heard about your CBD story, I'm wondering if you're taking bong hits with CBD right. what's happening. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's, you know, it really is about your intention and then the behavior, you know, Absolutely. it's all about intention to me. You know, I mean, this is not something that, that makes me high or puts me out. Not at all. Um, in fact, there really is no, there is no effect. I don't, I don't feel any effect other than when I sleep, I've slept more soundly since I've taken it. And that's all I know, you know, um, but you know, this is with my sponsor's direction. This is not something that, you know, the secrets we keep that will, you know, we keep these secrets and then all of a sudden that's, that's our behavior. You know, it is, what is your intention? Um, now Ambien was something else. It wasn't the CBD that I changed my date over back in the day, even, even, you know, having no THC still, um, that, that wasn't that, that bothered me. It was the Ambien that was definitely mind altering. That was my, I don't care. It's not a narcotic, but I don't care what anyone says. That shit was mind altering. I mean, I had a, 
I had a scare uh, with my uh, uterus and I had to go and have it scraped and they had to check for funky cells. And I was so nervous. Rob was on tour, I was with the kids and I, I could not, I could not sleep. Like I was, I would call Bonnie, my sponsor would be like, I, no matter what I do, this is my, it's 48 hours. I haven't slept and I'm, I'm hallucinating. My blood pressure skyrocketed. And I called my doctor and I said, I'm in trouble right now. I'm not sleeping and I'm, I'm full on freaking out. And he said, you got to sleep, but he's recovering in recovery too. So that was great because he's in recovery. So he said to me, look, you got to sleep, you know, what you got to take something. And I said, I, I can't, I mean, I I asked Bonnie, da, da, da. And he said, I'll give you a prescription for Ambien and you take it. And, you know, it's a little bit of a risk. I don't know if it's going to keep you asleep. It'll definitely help you fall asleep, but will you keep asleep? You might sleepwalk. You might have weird effects. There can be side effects. Um, it, but the main thing is that it's very addictive and I don't want you to, you know, have, have an issue. And so he, and me being the addict I am, he prescribed the 10 pills. I was instantly worried and felt very scared, but the voice inside of me was like, you have to sleep, follow the instructions, talk to Bonnie, take every time you take one, call Bonnie, tell her you're going to take it. You're going to get some sleep. My intention was just to take it for two or three nights and get back on a sleeping schedule. That was my intentions. But as addicts, don't we have these great ideas in our heads that we're going to do things? And, you know, we always have the best ideas, you know, that we make up in our head. We think we know what the hell we're doing. Well, I loved the fact that I got my sleep. I, I was a little groggy in the morning. I didn't have any side effects. I went to sleep. I slept and I felt much better. I got the test results back. They were normal and we were good to go. But I finished all 10 pills. And then, then I was supposed to go on Big Brother and I was so freaked out that I wouldn't be able to communicate with my kids. Who One was nine, the other was 13. Um, and I wasn't going to be able to communicate with them for a month. And I, and I started freaking out. And then my blood pressure went like bad, had to go on medication. And my doctor's like, you can't go on fucking big brother. You can't do this. And I had a medical leave, but I was so flipped out. I said, I can't sleep. I need that Ambien. And he, so I actually did it with a different doctor. You see, this is what we do. But why wouldn't the first doctor prescribe you the Ambien? Well, you know, oh, you know something? I, I actually got it reversed. The first time was with... Big Brother. No, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. The first time, the first time was with... The first time was with Big Brother. And that was with my, my GP. The second time was with the scrape. Uh, and it was with your gynecologist. And, the, and that was my gynecologist. So she said, eh, I don't really, I don't really want to prescribe anything. I said, but I just, you know, I just want to get through this until I, you know, get the results back or whatever. So that was the second time. Right. But I, it didn't matter because I don't know if I was moving closer to a drink or not. 
I just know that I wasn't sleeping. I needed to sleep. And I know, I knew that this was going to help me sleep. So did that and, um, got the results back and it was fine. And I, I had three pills. I took them all, told my, um, sponsor. And this was like, I don't even know, maybe, um, September of 2019. And, um, and then, then I, I was scheduled to do this lecture and I was really scared to do it. There was going to be a lot of people there and believe it or not, I called my doctor and I said, okay, I need to have some ambient again. Just the, just the story. Um, and I wound up taking it to Mexico with me. I was on this, doing this cooking event. So I got to sleep for the lecture. I got to sleep for the cooking event and I was on the airplane and I thought, God, a drink sounds really good right now. Right. And I called, I called my sponsor, Bonnie. And I said, Bonnie, I'm going to drink Bonnie. Um, I refilled the prescription again, Bonnie. I, I need to change my date. She, well, we, we went to lunch and she said, you, you know, it's not a narcotic. It's not considered mind altering. Um, you know, you, you didn't drink, you know, this is up to you. And I said, I'm waking up every day with guilt in my heart, like right. in my heart. Right. I knew that I had to change my sobriety date and I did. And it was a big relief and I'm glad I did it. And, you know, that's, that was a personal decision that I made. Not everybody would do that. And, and it's a, it's kind of a weird area, isn't it? Well, it's about um, how, it's how the, it's how the Ambien made you feel. And it's like, it's been, it's been, I, I've never taken Ambien. So like I take Benadryl when I can't sleep and I probably take it too often. Like I stopped taking it. And then like, I like, I like taking one fucking antihistamine to sleep. I know so many people that take melatonin every night to sleep. Um, yeah. I take once in a while I take melatonin, but I get very weird dreams and feel groggy. I don't really like it. I like, I have, but, I I have, get it. but like it's, it's listen, I, I respect whatever you're doing. Obviously you did it because you felt a need to do it. Is there ever a part of you that's annoyed? Like when someone asks you how much time you have, you're like, ah, if I hadn't, if I hadn't reset the day camp, recount out of 22 years or did you ever, it would have been 19 yeah, years. Right, yeah. Right. 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 No, I know. I know. No, it's, it's like, I, I, it's not that I'm annoyed with it. I mean, I am a little bit cause I'm like, Oh man. Right. But I didn't, I haven't had a drink in almost 19 years. Yes. That's the truth. You know? So I, I feel like that's, it, it's the behavior that is built in me that I know I have to have that policeman in me. My policeman is my honesty. My policeman is my sponsor. My policeman is the program. Honesty is, is my policeman. Right. Because before you know it, you're going to slip just a little closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden one day I'm going to be like, oh, I can just have a beer. Right. Or take your, and take my 0.3 THC bong hit. Right. It's like, and then, or, 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 or I go and I get, uh, um, CBD with, with THC. Right. Or I go and I, and I just go, Oh, you know, it's going to help because it's going to mellow me out more. And then all of a sudden it, cause it just is, that's the way 
we're, that's the way I'm, I can speak for myself. I'm programmed like that. So that's what I've learned about myself, um, you know, is to stay first and foremost, honest and upfront with my sponsor. It doesn't matter if it's anybody fucking else in the world. It has to be my sponsor. It has to be Bonnie. It just has to be. You know, she's tough. She's on me. She knows me for, for you know, two decades. It's This is a woman I trust. You know, she had a relapse and on cough medicine and woke up in a dumpster in Mexico. Oh she had God. 15 years. Right. You know, now she has 30 years. I trust someone that thinks like me. And that's, you know? a, and that's your program. And it's like, and I, you know, it's it great. I, I know this woman and, and she was joking. She, she is an alcoholic and a drug addict. And, and she recently relapsed on heroin and crack in England. And she's like, she's in, in England. And she was like, oh, I went to AA, but I hadn't had a drink in three and a half years. <laughs> you know? She's relapsing on fucking heroin and, and crack. And she can say she hasn't had a drink, but it's funny. You know, we can laugh at it. She, she got her white, she got her one day back too. So like, it's, it's funny now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, you're an incredibly inspiring guest, and I, I am so happy that you came on and told us some of your story. Now, what do you think about the cookie? The Othello cookie, it's black and white in every bite. I don't know. I mean, why can't you do it? I don't know. I'm not a baker. And I think I need star power behind this thing. I think we need love bites behind this thing. Listen, you can reinvent the black know. and white cookie. It's a thing. You don't want to do it. Okay, I respect that. I respect that. It's I'm hard. working on, a, on an Alpha Joris cookie right now. That's like a, like a what Brazilian it? cookie. Alpha Joris. It's like, it's probably the most fucking fucked up thing you ever put in your mouth. It's like a soft um, shortbread cookie that's yes. very airy and crumbly. Okay. And then in between is dolce de leche. Yes. And it's a sandwich, and, wow. and they, they put powdered sugar on it, and they roll it with coconut on the outside. Mm, sounds but, good. Um, it's, it's so good that I, I can't even handle it. So I'm working on a chocolate one, so I'm like, that's that's my focus right now. But I love a black and white cookie, and I understand the idea. But I feel like I've seen that before. Stop it. Where when, one, when, stop it. Where have you seen that? Are you kidding I me? I swear to God, at like a deli. Maybe it was um, Jerry's Deli Ugh. in Studio City. Someone had... A, a, a round cookie where the top was was white and the bottom was chocolate. I'm gonna kill Not myself like when the, I'm gonna jump off the ah. roof with this thing after this interview. Listen, I want you to I want you to check with Jerry's. I want you to look in yourself. I want you to Jerry's meditate. Huh? Yeah. So look at that. They we close. can we can start the cats the Othello Empire at Katz's. We can go to Cantor's and we can hit all the spots in between. Reinventing. Yeah, the black and white cookie. Listen, you work on your Brazilian thing. You work on your chocolate Brazilian thing. And then yeah. you reconnect right. with your Jewish roots and let's make this thing happen. You're, you're adorable. Um, but by the way, congratulations on your sobriety too. Okay. Thank you. I'm very excited. Yeah. I love my, my sobriety is the best. And, and, and I got sober. I have two daughters also. And, um, oh. and like, it's a great motivator. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great lifestyle. You know, it beats, it beats the other way for sure. Oh my God. I mean, we can still have fun. We can still do great things and, and live a happy life. It's not always easy. You know, it's not always easy, but I love talking about it. I, I also I think, it. but what you said about smoking pot, it's like, if, if I could smoke pot casually, I would do it. 
If I could smoke pot casually and not be like totally obsessed and, and need it constantly, I would do it, you know? Of course. But that's not the way it is we, for us. No, it's not. And it's acceptance. You know, we know who we are. It's step one, you know? Isn't I admit. Acceptance is the fucking, the, like acceptance and service. I mean, I should have gotten it years ago, but this year acceptance and service like came to me. Same. You know, really? Same. That's interesting. Yes. Yes, this year especially. Yeah, I never, I never. I mean, I, I love being a sponsor. Me too. I, I, I've only sponsored people seriously this year. And, and I know for years when I heard people doing service, I was like, you're so full of shit. You think you're so giving and altruistic. And I didn't even understand like that, that Bill W did service to feel better in the first place, not to be great. He did it as a tool. Like, and then it's like you're doing good and you're feeling better. You know, it's all, it's all happening. It's a biotic thing. I know it goes both ways, but you know, I really just, for people that, you know, the 12 step program has kept me sober. That's what has kept, that's what's worked for me. Me too. And you know, I, I, it's the only thing that ever did, you know, I mean, I, I tried to stop for a long time, um, but it really does work, you know, and I don't care if people think it's culty or whatever, what could be better than like being accountable Knowing who you are, helping other people, and not fucking using. And this what fucking could be, what's bad about that? People are. It's willingness. It's it's all about willingness. Yeah. It's like when people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find when people hate AA or are scared of God or don't want to be in a cult. Which I I listen. I didn't want to be in AA. I didn't want to. I didn't understand God, and I didn't want to be in a cult. But I was fucked. And in the end, I was willing to get better. So I was like, I'll do fucking anything. And it happened to be joining a cult and falling in love with God and doing all this shit. I didn't, <laughs> intend, I, I didn't expect that, though. I needed to be. And people who aren't willing aren't willing. Yes. You know, it's, I just love I just love seeing the transformation in people, you know, and, and going to meetings and uh, and, you know, now it's 80, 75 uh, percent of the meetings, I guess, would be on Zoom. But how beautiful that we have that ability, um, you know, to, to see more people at, at one time and and just get to a meeting every day if we need to, you know, at any time. And it's amazing to see people change their lives for the better. And when they just dive in. And they get a sponsor and they get, you know, they start making some phone calls and trusting somebody with their shit inside that they're so ashamed of, you know, and know that they're not special. Their shit stinks. Just like everybody we're else. All, we're all in the same goddamn boat. You know, I'm just a drunk and a drug addict who needs to pay attention to that disease every single day. But enjoy life and make the best of it. And that's it. Thank you. This is really cool. Thank you. Is, is that in that picture up there in that frame? Is that the buddy, your buddy that passed away? Uh, I don't know what you can see. This is what is that? That one? Yeah. That's Chris. Yeah, that's my friend who passed away, and that's the Beatles behind me. Um, yeah, that was Chris. He, I yeah, met he's, him. He's all. He's all. He likes to hang out with you, boy. He's like, he doesn't leave you. Well, I've had this picture and we, we just started doing video shit. So I was like, we should have him in the, in the video shit. We never did video shit before. It's like a new thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, he likes to hang with you. Bro. He likes to hang with you and stay with you. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. That's a nice idea. 
Um, it's crazy, right? It's like to lose. And I, I lost another friend the same summer that we lost Chris. And the show, uh, you know, This American Life, the 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 podcast. Have you ever heard of it? I don't know. It's a huge podcast. And they did a big story about us and Chris dying. And it became this big thing. So whatever. It, I'll, send you, I'll send you a link. You can listen to it. Um, but uh, you were wonderful. And I, I appreciate you coming through. Me too. Thank you. You too. I wish you all the best and give your daughters a big hug from me. I will. You, you do that too. And um, did you have fun? Was it fun? Yeah, I loved it. I love this. It, it made me feel like um, calm today. All right, cool. I was feeling a little, I had a whirlwind of travel. So it's like, I, I, I've been very like frantic the last four days. And so this is the first moment that I've actually felt calm. It's nice. I forgot to ask you about Kevin Love. I didn't even realize that that Kevin Love was related to Mike Love. That's so weird. Yeah, Stan, Mike's brother Stan, that's his son. That's crazy. Anyway, I, know. I have so and many, Stan, yeah. you know, I, I, unfortunately, I, know I have too many weird uh, Beach Boys questions I'm not going to bother you with. But uh, thank you. I can't thank you enough. You were awesome. Thank you. I'll send you uh, and I'll you, send you, you a link. I'll send you a link when it comes on. Okay. Bye, dear. Bye bye. Thanks. So that was Carney Wilson, which uh, blew me away. And somebody else who loves to blow people away. The great Ray <laughs> Brown. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> nice to be back. Ray, are you familiar? Oh, I was, I was, what were you gonna say? Yeah. I, we we did the thing yesterday. We did Patreon yesterday, but I'm back today. Oh yeah, we did a killer. Was that yesterday? No, it was two days. That ago. was yesterday. No, it was two days. Was ago. It? it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh okay. Today's Friday. Like yesterday. Yesterday was Thursday, and the day before that was Wednesday, where we did a killer Patreon episode to to figure out who won the DopeyCon song challenge, and we will circle back on that. But for now, I want to talk about Carney Wilson. Before we talk about Carney, I want to ask you, Ray, are you familiar yeah. with her Wilson Phillips hit, Hold On? Hold on, hold on to what you got. That's yeah, not it. Song. That's not it. It's, it's, things are changing. Oh, yeah. Away. Yeah. If you hold on for one more day, yeah. Hold yeah. on. I know somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Until then, baby, are you going to let them hold you down and make you cry? Don't you know? Don't you know? You know this song? If you change, <laughs> you know it by things, heart? things will go your way. If you hold, yeah, that was like <laughs> I was 17 or something. That was the pop of the top of the charts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I follow China on uh, Instagram and she talked about writing that song. Like she was, she wrote it really young and she was just newly sober. And that's China and then, Phillips, Papa John Phillips daughter. Yeah. That's the, the trifecta. You've got Mackenzie, you've had Carney. Now you got to get China on there. You got to follow. Look at her Instagram. So for you, she's, Wendy, she's, Wendy, Wendy Wilson is nothing for you. Well, so yeah, Wendy, the, what do you call it when there's four? I can't think of it. Yeah, you got to get them all. Collect them all. Collect them all. So I have all of the yeah. the, the offspring. But you need Bijou. 
Don't you need Bijou? Bijou. Oh, oh, Bijou would be great. Yeah. You need Bijou. And it's she, a wild family. It's an amazing family. Bijou used to date Sean Lennon. And that's your that's your ticket to getting into Dakota. <laughs> no, but Bijou now is with Danny yeah. Masterson, who is like, you know, has he's scandalous. He's in trouble. Yeah, he's a scandalous yeah, yeah. character. But if Bijou Phillips and Sean Lennon had reproduced that would have been incredible rock oh, and roll royalty super child yeah yeah right? that would have been the wonder yeah. kind of rock and roll royalty so let's talk about carney it was fucking cool that she came on don't you think i really liked her and i I'd, I'd, I'd never heard her do an interview i'd seen her show a bit and i've heard the band but i'd never heard her so i had no idea like what her personality was like or how, what she was you know what she was about and i was really impressed she's very sweet very warm and, you know, to go through that, and, and what you learn from this is like somebody's rich, famous, or both, that, that their life is still the same, their problems are still the same, and they have all the same, like, family and love and all those issues as everyone else, you know? Totally. Um, and she, that, that really came through with her. She was also she very, is, you know, she, kind of, she was very sober, too. Her sobriety was, like, very, very, very important to her. Yeah. But she she kind of brushed over uh, Wilson Phillips like it didn't happen because she was like focused on this other stuff, which was uh, maybe because it was like sober and 12 step stuff. Um, but, yeah, what an amazing life, you know. Yeah, I wanted to I show. wanted to hear I wanted to hear about like the Coke parties on tour with Wilson Phillips, the, the, the backstage well, debauchery with Axl Rose uh, and Wilson Phillips. Uh, <laughs> well, China was sober for all of that. She wrote sure. the song about recovery, I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think she relapsed. So she was sober. And um, then Carney was like, you know, Carney reminded me of myself. It's just like like a, a pinball machine just going from one thing to the other. And it's just like, you know, it wasn't like one drug. It was like she bounced around. Right. And the, the, other like, thing, what? The, the thing about Carney for me, more than... I mean, like, and this is unfair, and this is something that I've I've struggled with doing the show, which is talking to my hero's children. You know what I mean? And and, and the fact that she came from Brian Wilson, and uh, and what yeah. a, what I mean, like, and what a a disaster you know he was, and 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 he's very mentally ill still. And we were talking about those Beach Boys movies, right? And um, yeah. and when I flew to Utah. Uh, I watched the documentary she suggested that uh, you the long watch, road. and it yeah. was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Uh, this Brian Wilson documentary, and uh, and and I was actually I, have, I was messaging with you on the plane, and I oh, was yeah. like I was like you know Brian Wilson kind of reminds me of you, Ray. And <laughs> you got so mad at me. <laughs> a musical genius. Yeah, a musical genius. Or mentally ill. Mentally ill. <laughs> Do you want to hear everybody that reminds me of you, Ray? I'm afraid, but yes. I, there's only really three entities right now that remind me of you. Okay. Okay. One is Brian Wilson, all right? Yeah. One is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you say, oh, bother. Oh, bother. Well, bother. I, I just saw the real Winnie the Pooh in a museum like a week ago. And? He's in the... I didn't know he was a real thing. Him and all his friends were like, you know, behind a glass case. I didn't know they were based on the author's children, toys, their stuffed toys. Those were just his kids' stuffed toys, and he wrote Winnie the Pooh about them. 
What was the and author's the, name? A.A. A. Milne or something? I think so. And, and, he, it, and he wrote about Christopher Robin, who I guess was based on himself. But you remind me of Pooh. Pooh is very and sweet. Who and who's the third person you remind me of? You don't want to Axel answer. Rose? No, Big, Big Bird. <laughs> Big Bird. No. You remind me of Big Bird, Winnie the Pooh, and, uh, and Brian Wilson. Very, All rolled very into anthropomorphic. One. Very anthropomorphic list there. <laughs> like, wow, well, it shows. Mind you, it's like it's, cartoon. Yeah, well, characters. it shows you how developed I am, right? It shows it's you. It's like R. Crumb's R. Crumb's first sexual fantasy was about Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> well, I remember. Do you remember? Did you watch Woody Woodpecker? Oh yeah. Do you remember the episode where the rich fat lady wants to fuck Woody? No. It like fucked me up. There's this rich fat lady. <laughs> And and all she wants to do is have her way with Woody, right? And she's in the mansion, in this mansion, tra- chasing him down, right? At every turn, like, I remember, like, they sit, like, and he's trying to get away from her, right? He doesn't want yeah. the big, fat, rich lady. And they sit down at this big banquet table, and uh, she's on one end, and he's on the other, and, and they're, like, a mile away because she's so rich. And she pushes a button, on the table yeah. and the table shrinks down to a candlelit dinner for two. And Woody's like, get me <laughs> out of here. You know what I, I mean? think I have seen this. I remember this now. It's kind of like, want to be a member with like, um, uh, what's her name? Betty Boop. I never saw that, but see- I, but the Woody Woodpecker cartoon, it made me, it like, it was like the, my sexual awakening was that episode. Oh, of so Woody- you and our Chrome. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. I can relate to that a lot. Which is I have a I have a friend whose sexual awakening is seeing uh, not Lady Marmalade, Boule uh, Couché avec moi with like Pink and Lil Kim. Christina Aguilera. He's watching, yeah, he's watching TV with his parents and he's like, boing. <laughs> he's like, something's happening. Well, I don't know if I got uh, like aroused during the Woody Woodpecker cartoon. I just it had some kind of weird effect on me that she wanted him so bad. I don't even know what it was. It's weird. I, I can't even put it into words. But I, it affected me. That shit affected me. I, I've heard a lot of uh, women that are in like their mid-30s say their sexual awakening was that David Bowie um, movie where he was like had a crazy blonde wig on. Willow. Can't think of the name. Yeah. No. Another, I don't know. He's Yeah. But he has like a cod piece on. And I, I know several women that are like, that was my sexual awakening. Did you see this David Bowie documentary? I haven't seen it yet. I almost went to see it in the theater on Wednesday. Moon Age Daydream? Yeah, I didn't get a chance. I'll probably see it in the theater when I get back. You can't talk about was- you can't talk about your David Bowie connection yet, can you? Oh, I just sold a David Bowie painting last week. All right, can you tell the story now? That David Bowie left a bunch of junk in my apartment. Cause he used to stay there and he left a bunch of junk there in 1975 and now I'm selling it. Well, how does that even happen? That David, sir, David, does David Bowie United? No. How does, I don't think so. He had the, the serenity prayer tattooed on his chest or something. Really? How, yes. Really? How does he, you know, it took, what? It, it, it took him a long time to get sober. How did, I, did was, you know him? No. This is a big, big, um, a big news bulletin for the Dopey Nation. Somehow, David Bowie, writer of songs like "Moon Age Daydream" and fucking 
Ziggy Life plays guitar. Mars. Life on Mars. <laughs> fucking China Girl. Uh, Let's yeah. dance. Okay, what? How? Uh, modern Love. How did? What's his well, biggest song? What's David Bowie's biggest song? Changes. Well, Modern Modern Love was the biggest selling album. He never sold until uh, Modern Love. Whatever. The, Let's dance. Right. That's why he stopped his con. He stopped recording because he was waiting for his contract with the Freeze to run out. Because they had a ten-year contract from. 71 so he waited until he had that album in the can with Nile Rodgers and they didn't release it because they knew it was going to be big and they didn't want to split the money with the freeze all right just chill so, how did it want how did you wind up with David Bowie leaving junk in your apartment if you never met David Bowie because he was friends with my husband and they slept together and they were friends and they were fucking and we call that friends then, with benefits, Ray Brown. Yeah, friends with friends with benefits. Although I, I just sent you that thing of like who dated who and it has like my husband dating uh David Bowie. But no, they they were friends and then he was unknown. And then Bowie they started the Ziggy tour and he brought uh, my husband along on the tour because he wanted a friend on the bus. And then he, uh, my husband kept organizing like room keys because he didn't like the way it was disorganized. And they're like, you should be the tour manager. And he's like, what does the tour manager do? And they're like, get us to Cleveland. So then he became the tour manager and for like several years. So like Ziggy, Diamond Dogs, uh, Aladdin. So this is, this is a big dopey secret that Ray Brown is married to the old, the ex tour manager of David Bowie. And, and also, yep. And also, you've had sex with your husband, who's had sex with David Bowie. So you're one degree the, of separation from David Bowie's cock. In the in the same bed. Wow. And, and also, Susie Susie Ronson lives across the street from me, and I go over there, and I play mixed guitar, and we record some stuff. And you know, to talk about Bowie writing Ziggy or any of those, if you see a thing with uh, Mick Ronson, they're like, "How'd you come up with the riff for uh, Ziggy?" Ziggy, uh, and he's like, well, David came to me with these lyrics, and then I wrote, and they're like, how'd you come up the riff for Gene Gene? He's like, David came to me with these lyrics, and I wrote, dun, dun, wow, dun, that's dun. like so the like, biggest, that's like the greatest swindle in rock and roll history, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the greatest, that should be money. the great rock and roll swindle. That's right. what I call co writing, <laughs> that's horrible. So, so, so David Bowie did paintings. Tell the story, Ray, tell the exciting story. He, as a Christmas gift in 1975, he did a series of silk screens and they sent them out to like music industry people. And then he dumped all the extras there and a bunch of clothes. And this is the big one is the architect's rendering for the Diamond Dogs set, which Tony threw out, <laughs> but he threw out the clothes. Unceremoniously, like, he threw them out into the street. Yeah, well... He he gave some away and he threw some away. And what did he and say like, to David, Bowie? I'm not, he's like, I'm not your free storage unit. And so, but these paintings remained like hidden underneath something. And um, anyway, that's how they wound up there. I've got a bunch of stuff. But tell the story of how you discovered it. No, the day he died, I knew they were in the apartment. And the day David Bowie me, died. Yeah, somebody texted me at 3 a.m. and said David's dead. And I went looking for those paintings, and the first one I pulled out was a giant skull, and it said death. And I, I got goosebumps <laughs> all over, and I got money signs in my eyes. I got goosebumps and money signs. Well, explain that to me, though. 
you've lived in that place for 20 something years, right? Almost 40. Okay. 30 something years. You, yeah. you decide you're going to go looking, you don't, you never, I mean, like, how does this exist? And, and I knew you, they were in a, in a tube at the bottom of a chest and I'd never open them because I didn't want to deal with opening it. And now I've pulled them all out and I've cataloged them and I sent them to um, a gallery in London. Incredible. So, but Ray Brown moving on one. up. Sold a, sold a David Bowie painting. Congratulations. Mazel tov. Um, yeah, but that's another story of like, here he was with, he's David Bowie and he can't stop doing cocaine. And he really can't stop doing it. Even after he said he stopped, you know, after like Station to Station or Berlin, he was doing coke on the Glass Spider tour. You know, he, he, he would like get into, probably he was sober off the road, but once he gets on the road, it's, you know, there's people around with coke. Yeah, well. But he finally, he finally, I, I heard about a, like a hairdresser, a makeup artist for a video shoot. And she was like kind of fucked up from the night before. And he was like, you don't have to live like this. Come to this meeting with me. You know, she didn't know him. And he took her to a meeting. And that, but he had been clean at that point. Yeah. Yeah. This is like in the nineties. He had been a heroin addict too though, right? No, they never did heroin. I heard he did. I mean, in this class, there's a classic, there's a classic, it's either a behind the music about Iggy pop or about, um, what's his face? Lou Reed. And well, they, well, Lou did speed and uh, Iggy did heroin. David did Coke. But Lou Reed did a bunch of heroin, too. Lou's thing was speed, primarily. I mean, if, if you ever hear, like, Lou live at the bottom line, it's like, it's an amazing album, but he's just, like, a vicious speed freak, just, like, uh, free associating, like, for two hours. It's right. an amazing album. His heroin period <laughs> was, like, in the 60s, and then he switched to speed. Yeah, yeah, the Velvets did some heroin, but they, that whole scene, if you hear Billy name, he, he's like, Lou and I used to go out, and then we'd come back to the factory at like 5 a.m., and Lou would sit on my face, and I'd lick his ass, and he would come, and then we'd go to sleep. So no no <laughs> David Bowie on heroin, I have this wrong? And because like the story was, no. well, the story that I remember hearing was David Bowie being like, so I was going to tour with Iggy and Lou, and we were looking for a place to record, and we chose Berlin, but we didn't realize it was the heroin, oh, capital, the heroin capital of Europe. And like, and they went, I all got strung out in Berlin while they recorded Berlin. So I could be wrong about this, is what Ray is saying. That's what you're saying, Ray. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of. All uh, right, Dopey David Nation. If you know anything about uh, Ray Ray Brown's husband's ex-lover David Bowie's heroin problem more than Ray does. Please write an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Ray, thank you for this window into the secret life of Ray Brown, a new segment on Dopey. So, it's not a secret. The public life of Ray Brown that, uh, that many people don't know, we'll say. How's that? Yeah. So we have this contest, right? The DopeyCon yeah. theme song contest, right? Right. And we did the DopeyCon theme song challenge contest, and we had seven entries. And my big plan is to play the top four, the top four on this show, and let people vote on Facebook to determine the winner. What do you say, Ray? 
Yeah, that, I think that's a good way to do it. There was, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten entries. Okay, there were ten entries, I, and now I wasn't counting I, Garrett's death metal entry. I wasn't counting that as a real entry. Oh, I sent you the top four this morning, and it hasn't changed. I don't know if voting is closed, but it hasn't changed. Vote well. You can always close. you can join Patreon and vote because that's always great. This has been the best time on Patreon in years. So thank you everybody for doing <laughs> a song. Uh, but I'm gonna. Play. I joined. I joined Patreon. Yeah, Ray joined Patreon. And how long did it take me to call you after you joined Patreon? Like one second. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you, do you get a rem- uh, notice if somebody joins? Yeah, I, I, my like my my phone plays like uh, mariachi music, and it's like <laughs> celebrate good times. Come on, you got a new Patreon. Yeah, it's it's like a party over here. Every time every time somebody joins Patreon, confetti falls out of the ceiling in our house. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's like it's spectacular. All right, so we're gonna do the DopeyCon song challenge and these are the four the four finalists and i want to thank everybody who's who submitted a song for for the DopeyCon theme song challenge and what i'm saying is one of these people is getting 500 bucks towards their DopeyCon experience right it's gonna it'll be interesting to see how it gets voted on by the rest of the dopey nation in comparison because like right now the top four are really really close in the patreon voting right and uh the number one the the leader should we even say the leader or should we just play the no, top four no we're just gonna no, play the no. top four and we're gonna start well, with I, what, what's that right i think the leader is gonna win the general the general vote all right well we will see we're gonna start with dopey og uh his real name is aiden but you guys probably know him as the great cormac Founder of Dopey Reddit. Here we go. Uh, Cormac's theme song entry. Move up side and let the holes go through. Let the holes go through. Move up side and let the holes go through. Let the holes go through. Move up side and let the holes go through. Let the hose go through. Move up side and let the hose go through. Let the hose go through. Too fucked up, you must get clean. You gotta take the eight train to eight avenue chop. Change and it's on. Don't be con con, don't be con con, don't be con con. Too fucked up, you must get clean. You gotta take the eight train to eight avenue chop.
So that was Cormac. And you want to hear something interesting, Ray Brown? What? I thought he was saying, move up and let the hose go through. You know? That's what I thought. He was saying, let the host go through, meaning me. Oh, oh. I thought it was a strange line for a dopey guy. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I thought I it was. Like it. Yeah. You were excited to, like, to see like, the dopey hose. Yeah. It's like it, uh, now we have like a wet ass pussy type of song in the dopey country. I know. Song. It was exciting. But uh, also, it turns out that this is a cover of a soul coughing song. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't know that either. That shows how 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 on top of things you and I are, Ray Brown. Uh, Wasn't Soul Coughing on Dopey? No, they were never on Dopey. Oh. Anyway, that was Cormac, and we're going to put up voting today. Uh, when the show comes out, voting is going to start. Now, the next one is Mark F., and Mark F. sent me his song while I was actually in Park City. So... Did we talk enough about Carney Wilson and how great how great she was and how no, great Brian no. Wilson was? You want, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Carney before we get to Mark F? Well, it was you know I was the same thing as you of like it's like talking to the Beatles or you know it's it's um, and I have like a bartender handed me a bootleg copy of Smile and you know I didn't really know I'd heard of it and I just the Beach Boys were like from the past and then I got really into all those late sixties albums like Smiley Smile, Wild Honey. And but it coincided with like taking a lot of drugs. So for me it's like it's kind of triggering or something. It's kind of like it's too tied in. And I was like, it's it's all weird to me, but I love that music. And then to hear her and she's like so normal and like cool and it's just like it's just it was bizarre, just like you were saying. The other but, thing you know, you think Yeah. Well, was there was this movie? Well, what were you gonna say, Ray? Well, I also liked when she's like, any movie that's about my, the Beach Boys or my dad, unless you were there, it's wrong. And like anybody who's been like part of any news story, like you know, a robbery or a car crash, you know how it's always like slightly wrong when it's reported. So I can imagine like your life presented by like a Hollywood movie. There's a classic. You know, there's a classic Beach Boys movie. It's a real piece of shit biopic, right? And yeah. uh, and Brian Wilson is under the care of Elliot Landy, right? And yeah. Elliot, oh, I've seen that movie. And Elliot Landy starves him, and Elliot Landy. Well, there's a lot, there's a couple movies like this, but in this one, right, Dennis Wilson uh, lures Brian away from Doctor Landy with a bag of cheeseburgers. <laughs> he sneaks up <laughs> behind Brian and he goes, "I know you want one of these, Brian." And Brian's like. Yeah, yeah, and he and him and him and Dennis start running down the street, and they go to Dennis's apartment where they eat cheeseburgers and then get a ton of coke and just hang out doing coke and eating cheeseburgers. It's like one of my favorite fucking movies ever. I used to like. I, I remember back in the day, I used to get drugs and uh, and and pray that either the Beach Boys movie was. I think it was called like American Summer or American Band or something. Yeah. Uh, I would pray that either that movie was on VH1 or uh, the Temptations biopic, which is like mm -hmm. 10 hours long. I, I lived yeah. for those movies. Those were my favorite movies. Or like uh, the Monkees, the fake Monkees biopic on VH1. What a piece of garbage. Yeah. But for some reason, I love doing drugs and watching those movies. And I loved that Dennis oh, Wilson lured Brian with a bag of cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh, so your love of these movies is connected to drugs also. 
I mean, I'm sure it is, right? I'm sure those yeah. days, those days, it was like, because basically I would take drugs and imagine I had been a famous musician. Like, and I'd watch their life and I'd imagine it was my life or something. I mean, yeah. there was something there. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure that's what it was, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what I watched when I had Netflix. All I watched was like music documentaries and like bio, music biopics and yeah, that's all I watched. Yeah, me. Um, I I I still try to watch them. Um, I watched that Brian Wilson movie on the plane, and it was just incredibly beautiful. So I recommend anybody to watch that movie. You want to hear something yeah, fucked get... up, Ray? What? On my way home from Park City, yeah. uh, I get on the yeah. plane, and I, and I pick JetBlue because everybody gets to watch TV, right? And um, yeah. on the way home, there was only one TV on the plane that didn't work. And guess whose TV? That was that yours. Was. Yes, <laughs> yours. It was un- I like lost my fucking mind. I was like, and then the lady, I, I say to the stewardess, my TV doesn't work, and she goes, I'll give you free drinks. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want I'll free give you drinks. Some heroin. I, I, yeah, do you have any heroin, lady? It was like, oh, and the, they gave me fifteen. Was the plane, gave, what was it? Every seat was packed. Every seat was packed, and the idiot next to me, he was a nice guy. He was actually friends with the owner of Katz's wife. Um, oh. he, he's like, I'm going to watch Morbius. You can watch Morbius with me. <laughs> so I sit oh, there trying. The headphone? No, they, they have two jacks. So I was thinking of just oh. sitting. I, I watched some of Morbius, and he's like, fuck this. Let's watch the Giants. And he puts on <laughs> football. I was just like, what am I doing? All right, let's get to the second song. Let's get to the second song. Yeah. All right, this is Mark F. You ready? Yeah. And I got this in uh, Park City. Here we go. Mark F. To go down to Dopey Con, it will be fun. Listen in every Friday to avoid another run. And yeah, we miss Chris and we mourn all the losses. So that was Mark F. Now I have to ask you, Ray. Uh, yeah. 
it, it's been talked about that you wrote some songs for people for the <laughs> DopeyCon theme song challenge, right? Yeah. Did you write that was, one? Well, all I'll say is I was just, I was walking around the block here and it's a beautiful day up here and I couldn't stop singing. <laughs> da, 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 da. It sounds <laughs> a little like, it sounds like, a little like uh, La Isla Bonita. I fell in love with oh, San Pedro. Yeah. Well, there's only a limited amount of like arrangements so, of notes. So and, are you saying... 12, what do we have? Eight notes. Did you steal La Isla Bonita and give it to Mark F. for this DopeyCon song? Yes, I did. Did you write <laughs> no, this didn't. song for Mark no. F. or no? No, no, I didn't. It's I didn't a, write any songs. It's a very Ray Brown sounding song. Just, just to be I clear. I thought it sounded like Brer. Well, there you go. So you think everything sounds like Brer. All right, Mark F., the, I like the song. I think Ray Brown might have written it. Mark F., prove me wrong, my friend. Prove me wrong. Here we go. Third song in the, in the trilogy and, uh, and possibly my favorite song. Um, no disrespect to you, Ray Brown, Madonna, Mark F., uh, <laughs> Cormac, or, or my friend Garrett. But my favorite, I think, has to be Bailey's song. And I'm going to play the one-minute version. Hold on. I'm going to get the one-minute version. Okay. Ray, did you actually record Mark F's song? Just we're off the, we're off the mic right now. You can tell me. <laughs> Put us on the mic. Did you, did you do it or not? Just let me know. You can tell me. I, I, I am Mark F. That's, That's what I think. But you don't play ukulele Mark. is why I feel like it's yes, probably... Yes, I do. <laughs> you do? My first album was all ukulele. Oh, then that's definitely your song. So you sent him a well, ukulele a track? I played a I played a baritone ukulele. That's a tenor, I think. All right, this is Bailey's song, uh, and and Bailey and I and I read this on Patreon. So all the patrons, whatever you know, forgive me. But I have I told you I was going to read this on the show. He sent in a little do dopey story as well. You ready? Oh yeah. All right. Oh my God. Because I told him how much I liked the song. Thank you so much for saying that. I wish you. Yeah, I couldn't hear the words of the song. I wish you could hear the words. That really sucks. I do have a little dopey story, though. So a couple of years ago, I was doing the whole body brokering rehab hopping thing in L.A. I was in a sober home and had recently gotten my car back from some friends. Me and my buddy Caleb had just gotten out of detox together, so we were really close. Because you get close to people in, in, in detox, right? Anyways, mm -hmm. Caleb tells me we're going to a new detox to try and get $6,000. It's like insane that you get money from going to detox. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, so we hop in my car and make our way to the weed store. On our way, Caleb also decided to buy a Whippet canister. So anyways, we get to the detox, and I got hella bud and the Whippet canister in my car. It makes me <laughs> laugh every time. Which they let me park in the backyard driveway area. Well, one night, me and Caleb came up with a plan to get the drugs. Caleb asked one of the techs, this asshole named Drake, if he can get something out of the car. Then as soon as he got the door open, I distracted the tech and Caleb grabbed the weed jar and some papers. Anyways, the funny part is that we rolled up and we were chilling in the backyard at around like 9 p.m. smoking this fat joint. And then Drake walks by with sm and with smoke in his lungs, you know the voice, Caleb says, damn, it smells like gas out here. Ha ha ha. Yeah, we just wanted to share that. Just wanted to share that funny experience with you, Dave. But here are the lyrics and uh, and a one-minute version. So uh, I'm going to play the song. Here we go. Okay. 
Do you like that story, Ray? Yeah. Would you love to get paid $6,000 to go to detox? Well, I was offered money. I could say this on the air. It's very short. I, I almost got $500, not 6000 For what? For writing the DopeyCon theme song challenge? <laughs> no, I went to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack, and I went to the hospital, and while I was there, they asked me how much I drank, if I took drugs and drank, and I told them what I did, and they're like, would you like to participate in a study? What did you do? It pays five. What do you mean? You told them what you did. What do you mean? You What did you tell them you did? I told them, like, what? amount of alcohol I consumed every day. And they're right. like, would you like to participate in this? And you'll get $500. I'm like, yes. And then they're like, okay, we're going to take, and I'm, I was in line to go to the heart attack place. And I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm in this line already. I'm just about to be taken to chest pains. So I had to turn it down. But that's, and then that's they were like, bad. yeah. And then they're like, are you going to go into convulsions if you don't drink that amount? I'm like, no, I won't. But you, why, why all, did you think you were having a heart attack? I was at work and I was having, my heart was hurting and my left arm was numb and tingly. And my coworker actually took me. She's like, what the fuck? I'm taking you to the hospital. And uh, if you say chest pains, you go right, you skip the line. And it turned out I had pulled a muscle like around my heart and it like affected my arm and my heart. And that's what was causing it. But you missed um, out on 500 bucks, but you might make it up. I know. You might make it up right <laughs> well, here in the DopeyCon <laughs> theme song challenge. Ray Brown, why didn't you write a song for the DopeyCon theme song challenge for yourself? I didn't think it was appropriate. 500 smackers, Ray. Well, I'm going to walk to DopeyCon, and I'm going to stay in my apartment. Well, every step you'd get like 25 cents if you walked to Dopey. <laughs> right, right. Five, All right. It's like a 10-minute walk. All right, here we go. Here's Bailey's one-minute version. It's Dopey, a podcast show and a lot of chills for some reason <laughs> you know what's interesting is all these songs except for Susie, all the other songs they're kind of have like sonic brotherhood they're you know what i mean they're all like they're all different but they're all similar in a way what do you mean sonic brotherhood is that it's our like, new is that our new like band the they, sonic brotherhood they, <laughs> yeah, no they all share like a sound even though it's different people doing them and it's like a sound I've never heard in a song before. Like they're all really unique, but they all are like of a body of work, you know, like they're, they're all similar in a way. Well, I love I that. Can't he, put my I, finger I, on I it. love that he especially loves fentanyl J. 
I, I can't yeah. it, like I get I get chills when he says that. And uh and Fentanyl J will be at DopeyCon. Hundred percent. Is that is that all four? Isn't there one more? There is one more. And the one more is from a guy who I think lives in Iowa in the dopey capital of the country. Oh, the Iowa crew. The Iowa crew. <laughs> it's Brady, who 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 is just a prolific hip hop artist. And Brady sent in three songs. You can hear all of them on Patreon. And this is the the front runner uh, of Brady's songs. And in the final, the final four. That's what we'll call this. The final four for the DopeyCon theme song challenge. This is Dopey's uh, Brady's first song. Right? You ready? Yep. All right. Dopey Nation, what up? Dopeycon, it's going down. Dopey Pod, the best one around. Dopeycon is where it's at. If you ain't at Dopeycon, homie, where you at? Dopeycon, gonna be too legit. Said you ain't coming, homie, that is ludicrous. Better get your ticket, better book your flight. Check out New York City and all the sights. Tell Brenda that you need some take-homes. Cause it's dopey kind and ain't no way we staying home Dopey got the star-studded lineup If you ain't sober yet, homie, get your time up Heard that the host is Machiavelli Nah, that's Jay, but he is the Machiavelli Ever heard some Yiddish in a rap? Drew without his yarmulke, I'm talking no cap Dopey Con is really where it's at So hurry, don't wait, just get there, stat And I'm gone Toodles your grandparents? Would your great grandparents speak that? Yeah, my grandparents spoke Yiddish. Oh, I, I, I would be at my grandma's house in Queens, and she'd be talking Yiddish on the phone. And like, oh, and, I, and when I was little, I even understood it. Like, I understood oh. Yiddish when I was a kid. My dad, my dad understands Yiddish. He could speak a little oh. abyssal of Yiddish. That's what you say a little oh. of. Um, so that was Brady. He says DopeyCon is where it's at. If you're not at DopeyCon, you're not where it's at, I think was the lyric. <laughs> it was something like that. But Brady, man, Brady is a prolific dope, and that is a terrific song. A Jew without a yarmulke, no cap. It's like, you know, it's like it doesn't get much better than that, Brady. So mm-hmm. I can't thank Brady enough. Those are the final four. I'm going to post it on Dopey, uh, Dopey Podcast Facebook in one of those polls. Vote, vote, vote. The winner gets 500 bucks towards their DopeyCon uh, excursion and a free ticket to DopeyCon. So that's a lot right there. It's a lot of value. Yeah. No, that's a good That's a good prize. Do you like it when he says star-studded lineup? <laughs> I like the whole thing. So you vote for you vote for Brady. Brady's your favorite. I don't know. I like I like all four of these. I kind of want to play Garrett's horrible death metal song, but it'll scare away the audience now. <laughs> if you want to hear Garrett, a.k.a. Sloppy Jones's death metal song, go to Patreon, and you can hear it. Yeah. And that one came, it came close. For you. You voted for that one all the way. No, no, no he got, well, uh, he got no. no votes. Garrett got no votes. The only person that voted for Garrett, and if, I don't know if Garrett's listening or not, is Garrett. <laughs> He's the only person that voted for him, is himself. No, I'm looking, I'm looking at the list. Who voted for him? Jeremy Duchel says, I'm a metalhead, but I'm going to vote for Brady. Right? (laughs) 
<laughs> or when the metal song came like last week or whenever you sent it to me, I'm like, we have a winner. <laughs> right. So who voted for Garrett? Tell me. Um, I'd have to go into dopey, dopey Patreon and look, but I can send you the list after we hang up. It's a star studded lineup. Hold it's on. a star studded lineup. <laughs> I can get in there right now. I'm getting in there right now. Just, and, and, and Garrett calls himself sloppy Jones. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he wrote an EP called he, the, what? Garrett joined Patreon. I know. Yesterday. I know. And he wrote an EP called the Brochacho Brodown. Yeah, Garrett voted for himself, which he's and Jeremy Duchel is uh, a metalhead. He writes, "I'm a metalhead, so this is obviously my choice." But I thought Sloppy Jones was already coming, so I'm voting on someone else. Uh, <laughs> and then and then Garrett continues to leave his rear lyrics, which is. The Dopey Podcast, now a YouTube show. The Oxy's the Blow, The Oxy's the Blow. Dopey Snot Sock, David Howard, Dirty Pond, <laughs> Boombox, Beach, Bucks, Baum. Toodles and toodles and toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Which I appreciate. But Garrett, like, he marches to the tune of his own drum. And I want to just double check one thing. I just want to double check one thing in the voting and Patreon. Uh, when when you were sending that to me, oh, it's his, his likes have changed now. I have to update the list. What Garrett still doesn't put him in. Yeah, still doesn't put him in the top four. But um, yeah, he got another vote. Well, if you want to count the likes, but I just read, you know, he doesn't. You know, he's not. He's, I did it based on the likes because the the people who said that in the likes, they also voted. I I went through everything, and one song was posted twice, so I looked at who voted, and there was like wow, to, almost total overlap. So there's no voting fraud in this thing. No. Okay, so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna redo it now. I'm gonna look at it now, but I'm looking at it and it seems pretty much unchanged. And Ray is the about top, to have the Ray, top four is not changed. So it's gonna stay the same. Yeah. Sloppy Jones is not in the top four. I know Ray is getting ready for his date and he couldn't find any lube. So Ray, did you find <laughs> lube for your date? Yes or no? Uh, uh, there's lube on the way. Is it sunflower oil? No. What, you can't use that with a What do you use? Lube, like KY jelly. All right, KY jelly. That's the choice of Ray Brown. So if, if KY jelly is looking to uh, advertise, Ray could Ray could do it for you, and we could we can get <laughs> everybody could get a little bit of money out of this. Ray Brown chooses <laughs> KY jelly. Don't you? Um, all right, Ray. Well, this has been a really fun uh, dopey episode. A little recap on the dopey uh, dopey con fucking theme song. I'm super excited about dopey con. I'm super excited. It's, it's coming really soon. I just saw the walking tour. Is it 10 a.m. and it starts at 89th and Central Park West? Are you going to be there? At the uh, yeah, that's yeah, I'll amazing. Be there at 10 a.m. That's amazing, amazing. And then we're going to walk to the Dakota, and then it's undecided after that. But we might also, need we Dopey might Con. need we might need volunteers at DopeyCon as well. Yeah, for like door people. Yeah, and just in case anyone gets rowdy to to be the goon squad, beat him <laughs> right. down, right? Ray, yeah, will you bouncer. will you be on the goon squad, Ray Brown? I'll be the bouncer. You I'll are the, the goon, you are the goon squad. <laughs> Nobody will fuck with me. All right. Well, thank you, Ray. This has been a great. Once they see how strong I am, they will not cause any trouble. Do you have any anything you'd like to add about Carney before we go? I just, I just really liked her and like a lot of that, you know, like when a lot of times you relate to somebody, I related to a lot of stuff 
that she said, or like, I stopped going to high school. I stopped going to school in the eighth grade and stuff like that. And then her sponsor relapsed on cough syrup of like just people relapsing on like weird things that aren't heroin and, or, you know, or alcohol. And then it just, it's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. You know, what that, about, what all, about, at least, what about her refusal to make the Othello cookie? Bold, right? <laughs> Bold refusal. She didn't, re- she didn't refuse. She was like, I'll have to think about it and look into it. And that was interesting. She's like, if you hold it on both sides, then it's going to, your, your fingers are going to make the frosting drip. Like she's, no, she knows there's, her way there's, the there's a, a, she knows her way. And so do I, right? What do you think? I, well, she knew about like buttercream and vanilla and like, all, she, she obviously she knows that business. She's in it. She's missing the boat with this Othello business. That's all I have to say. Um, that was funny. Then she said she saw one already. I don't want to talk about this anymore. You're getting me upset. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Ray. Uh, have a wonderful All day. Right. May your lube be luscious and your day be joyous. <laughs> and uh, okay. Dopey Nation, stay strong. Ray, do you want to say goodbye to the Dopey Nation before we go? Bye. Are you excited to see them all at DopeyCon? Yeah, because like I didn't really talk to anybody at DopeyCon 1. I didn't know anybody. You didn't talk I to anybody? I them there. I talked to Alan. I talked to you and Linda. And I talked to... Um, I can't remember the the writer who lives in uh, just upstate a bit. Nick Flynn. Nick Flynn. Nick. I talked to Nick and I talked to some other people, but I didn't know their name, you know. And uh, like I didn't talk to the Iowa crew. I didn't talk to uh, Austin. I I know they were there. But. Do you think after Dopey DopeyCon 2022, you're gonna say, "And I especially love Fentanyl J." <laughs> I did see a picture of Fentanyl J, and he's pretty hot. All right. Well, everybody, I cannot wait for DopeyCon. This is, oh, there's going to be one more show before DopeyCon. That's annoying. It would have been great if this was the show before DopeyCon. Oh, is it like the, it's the night before? I know. Fucking wait, annoying. That's man. weird. I know. Maybe you should like not do that show and just do DopeyCon live on Saturday night. Nope. Not doing it. it it's just, nope. It's, DopeyCon, it's a special then. Yes. No, DopeyCon will come out the following Friday. Fuck that shit. DopeyCon oh, will come out. Live? No way. It's live if you go. That's the whole oh. point. That's why there's still oh. tickets. If you were in, in the tri-state area, if you're willing to get in your car, Brady said he's going to fucking drive from Iowa, Ray. Oh, shit. That's like 15 hours. He doesn't give a fuck. Be- and if you want to be at DopeyCon <laughs> Live, you better be at DopeyCon Live. It's not going to be live for you and your home. It's not happening. You got to wait a week for that oh. shit. Oh, okay. That's why you're making a good choice by coming, by walking 10 blocks. <laughs> it's a good choice. All right. Well, stay. Yeah. St- what do you have to say? You got anything else to say? So about- it's, on the, it's on the 8th, I guess. No, yeah. it's on the 1st. What are you talking about the 8th? But broadcast on the 8th. Yes. The show will drop on October 8th. So that will be seven long birthday. days. Wow. The show will drop on Ray Brown's birthday. And the video, we're shooting it three camera fucking video style. Crazy nice. video will be available only on Patreon. Kaching, kaching. <laughs> so everybody, dolly up your two dollars or five dollars if you want to be in the dopey Patreon Zoom, or ten dollars if you want your dopey stickers, or fifteen dollars if you want your socks, and and join Patreon so I can get out of my job. You know, um, what was I going to say before we move on? We should have recorded from the you, beginning. You, this is so stupid of me. 
Anyway, thank you again, Ray. Um, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Bye. What's up, Dave and Chris? My name's Jake. I'm 25 years old from West Virginia. I just found Dopey about two weeks ago, and it's my favorite podcast of all time. Y'all are hilarious, and it's just gotten me through some really hard times, and Though I'm not clean myself, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Um, I really like Dave's song, and I'm going to do a little cover of it here on my banjo. Hope y'all don't mind too much. I wrote a uh, third verse myself. Sorry about the poor quality. It's just on my phone. And, uh, sorry about the banjos. Things hard to keep in tune. <clears throat> sit through the uh, big inbox emails. Feel free to play a clip on the show if you want. I, if not, I know it kind of sucks. Alright, I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.